0: Welcome back to not a bomb podcast. Yes, it's Halloween season. We are still in spooktober mode. I am one of your hosts, Troy. And with me is my spooky partner in crime, Brad. Brad, last week, we had this whole analogy of like handing out full size Snickers at Halloween because we had not one guest, but two, two powerhouse guests, right? So Sammy and Jose joined us for a conversation this week we are we we haven't slowed down. We're handing out like more awesome candy, but now it's
1: like literally the end of the night. We're just like take it all kids, take it all.
0: Yeah, we're just handing bags of candy out because we have I'm super excited about this. For one, the movie we're talking about tonight, which has been requested, I don't know, every week by somebody who's going to be, you know, talking here in a minute. But secondly, it was a pretty popular request. Uh, But the other reason is the other guest um, we've I I, he and I talk about um, this subject quite often simply because of something that occurs at the AFI every once in a while. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to first get into it. Damn it. Let's get into it. Yeah. So I want to welcome back none other than Mr. John Nance. How you doing, John?
2: Hey, Hey, how's it going? Doing great. How's everybody tonight?
0: I'm excited. I'm pumped. I just just want to skip the whole intros and just get into this thing because I'm, I'm so excited about this topic and I'm really excited to reintroduce somebody who made their debut. Uh, what was, what I can't even remember the episode episode, 12, episode 12, man, early on. And, uh, she picked Zodiac of all movies to review. And then after that was done, she's like, well, when are we going to talk about this one? And we're like, soon, soon. So (laughs) What was it, a year 60 later? 60 episodes later. Yeah, yep. 60 episodes later, we're welcoming back none other than Angelica Rose Sauer, my daughter. I'm I'm so excited. How are you doing, Angel?
3: I'm doing great. I've been waiting to review this movie ever since you guys started the podcast.
0: So I'm going to start with you on this question. Uh, Wait, can
1: I can I comment on yeah. Angel's etiquette, yeah. please?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She didn't talk until she was introduced, so she, you know she's a podcast professional because... <laughs> She did not say a word until you introduce her, which is very well. Good job, Angel.
2: Well, she Thank is in you. college, so she's been yeah. studying for the past week.
0: <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> sure, yes, We're actually, man, I feel like we're opening up a whole new demographic here. We have a college yeah. student in college right now in her dorm room recording with us. So we get some like college seal of approval for this episode, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think know we. Can, if I can speak for everyone in college,
0: but. <laughs> no, I. Think, no, you can't. Yeah, I think well, you we are can out.
1: go back to we can go back to college parties now, right? Is that how that works? Mm. Sort of. <laughs> you guys
3: sort should of. have your own parties, and I'll have mine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, that's rude. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, Angel, you you've been asking about this film, and in, in full disclosure, a lot of people have written in uh, because mo- most of the films that we picked for this October, we went back to the list and said, okay, well, Angel had this, you know, early on. But I think Brad and I were both surprised how many times this movie came up in conversation in terms of, hey, we think you should talk about this film too. But this is a favorite of yours, right? So where where does it rank in terms of favorite films? Top five, top 10, just a good film? What what are your thoughts on it?
3: It's definitely like my top five film because it's always been like a childhood favorite. And in my eyes, it's just the perfect movie. Like I don't see one thing wrong with it.
0: Uh Uh-oh, showing your cards early, huh? (laughs) All right. Well she's
3: been
1: asking to do this for like almost two years. So yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It
0: might it might have squeaked into the top five. Okay. Well, I the topic I wanna kinda start with because Brad, we've we've mentioned this, I think, on the previous episodes is the whole horror host thing. So tonight we're gonna talk about nineteen eighty eight Elvira Mistress of the Dark. So we'll probably get into this again. 1988 is probably one of the greatest years in film history ever. And Brad, I'm sure you'll remind us why when we get into like some of the numbers, et cetera. But this one came out at the height, I think of Elvira's popularity in the late eighties. And, uh, you know, she, she's the queen of Halloween, but she's not the only horror host. Um, and she's, you know, one in many of, of a long history. So John, you want to give us a little bit of backstory about like what a horror host is, where it kind of came from, because Brad, I'm I'm going to paraphrase from some discussions we had on previous episodes. You haven't really been exposed to the, to the like movie horror host, right?
1: No, that's correct. That's correct. I'm dumb when it comes to this stuff. So I'm glad John is here to, to help.
0: Okay. Yes. Well, just, just for the youngins, like the kids in college, right? Cause we want them, you know, to get, uh, I don't know, all schooled on this subject, John, you've got some info for us. So like walk us back a little bit. Where does this horror host stuff come from?
2: Yeah. So the horror host, uh, actually came, you know, a long time ago, various sources looked like, you know, trying to narrow down. you know, where did it really come from? And basically it, it came from those, anybody who really like told stories to really, you know, scare people into either, um, you know, doing what the tribal elders wanted, or you know, you know, don't do this or you're going to get sick. But it, it, it kind of had its roots back then. But what I did find was the true first officially recognized horror host was uh, Malia Nurim, Nurimi, yeah. yep, as Vampira. Vampira, nineteen, 19- Vampira, yeah, Vampira. nineteen, yeah, nineteen fifty four. Her, her, her trademark, and this is what you would find as, as you start, you know, diving into these horror hosts, they, like, they, they all had their, like, little bit of a gimmick. Um, hers was, you know, she would come right up to the camera and just give a blood-curdling scream to start the show off, right? Oh. And start bringing yeah. <laughs> those, um, you know, audience members, you know, r- really get them in the mood. Um Ironically enough, she also um, had a lawsuit against uh, Elvira, you know, claiming that you know she took her look and stuff. She lost that, but um, she continued on for a while. She passed away in two thousand eight. Um, the next big name that I found um, was Zachary, yes. John Zachary, in nineteen fifty seven. He kind of made his debut, and uh, it was shock, shock theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first hosts that started introducing like comedy bits because what I started realizing with these horror hosts is that you know they wanted to introduce you know audiences to stick around uh, by watching some you know really bad stuff or you know really unheard of stuff so they had to kind of keep their interest um, in sticking with the program. Um, oddly enough, uh, Zachary was also the voice actor for Almer uh, in 1988's Brain Damage. Oh, oh really? Worm. Yeah. That, <laughs> I didn't know that. that. Fed, okay. uh, yeah, fed the drug to the you know, little kid. Um, after that. Well, real,
0: real quick, na- Vampyra, a lot of people will know her just simply because of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, she was in Edwards' Wood's movie, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was actually very, one of the first ones who kind of coined Morticia's look from uh, John, John Adams. Is that his name? The Adams family, Morticia, mm-hmm. um, along with Elvira. So they got that. Um Which but, it should be noted that the Addams family,
1: I think the original Addams family was like 1930. So yes. her idea wasn't wholly original. It uh, yeah. wasn't
2: wholly original, but she borrowed, but she had the she had the waistline for Morticia. It, well, anyway, um next for one of the biggest, as you could say, and it kind of changed horror hosts um, from that point on, because not only was it horror, it was social political themes, sci-fi. Um, that guest, that, that host was Rod Serling with 1959 with the debut of the Twilight Zone. Um, during the 1960s and seventies, what they had come to find was, you know, there was an audience for this. And to simply try to go through and name every single one, every region within the United States, West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, they all started developing their own like horror hosts to fill in programming times that there was actually an audience for. Um, one of the biggest names to come out in 1970s, in terms of horror hosts, was the great, great Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. He was a voice narrator for BBC's um, "The The Price of Fear," PBS's uh, "Mystery," and he also had um, one of my most favorite roles. He was uh, Vincent von Ghoul in Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh thir- my gosh! Scooby right. Doo.
0: Yeah.
2: Of and After he does that, that part in he does that part in thriller. Yes, he does. And then, you know, there's other names I'm sure people have heard of. There's the great Svengali. Um, his son took over when he, he unfortunately passed away, starting off as the son of Svengali, but then he took over just you know, adopting the name Svengali, um Munda Lisa. She was another popular one, uh, Count Vortigal.
0: Count Gore Duvall, yes, out of uh, the uh, Washington D.C. area,
2: yes, and he's he's still going. Yes, that's still going.
0: Thing, so yes, uh, we've seen him live to do his shtick, and I love it, absolutely love it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and so 1981, um, that's when Elvira exploded onto the scene to really start filling in. um, I think back then it was like just after San Francisco had a. TV series Fright Night, not the movie, but they had their own like horror series called Fright Night. And when that ended, a couple years after that, they were trying to find something, and and she auditioned and got the role. um And from there, took off. And she's done. I'm we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it. She oh god, seventeen years old. She takes off. She is a. I, I will say after researching some of the stuff, she's a, she's a very acumen businesswoman. Um, very, very smart, very intelligent, very, very funny. Um, she has her own empire, basically. Um, and she's everywhere through the 80s. I mean, even to the, one of my favorite shows back in the 80s was The Fall Guy. She was on The Fall Guy. Yes. And what really exploded, uh, I think you pointed out, Tread or, uh, Brad, or no, Troy, earlier was her popularity really exploded on the scene when of all companies to use her as a spokesperson, Coors-like. Yep,
0: the beer industry just took her fame, <laughs> exploited it, and just yes, yeah.
1: When you said Ever. that, when you said that last week, I specifically remember seeing those commercials yes. for Coors Light and her commercials for Halloween. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it has been embedded in my brain. They couldn't and keep
0: yeah. the standees in the store because no, everybody they was they were selling for. Yeah,
2: big bucks. they're perverts. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Brad, as you mentioned, I, I believe it was last week's episode. Uh, you know, tales of the crypt, the crypt keeper. You know, then we started seeing cross genres all over the place, especially with comic books. Um, you know, yeah, creep show, the creep, and even to this day, because of the advent of the internet and the access to you know just broadcasting content creators out there, internet's really. Really got a gosh, I, I couldn't believe the volume of horror hosts or those who were doing their own shows. Count Vordegal, uh, Gordoval was actually credited, is credited as being the first horror host to actually break into the web. Yep. So, does this still? Does are. show? I checked out his site. Um, it's pretty cool. He's got a, he's um, got a Roku head. channel too. Yeah, Roku channel. Um, and other names are kind of like, uh, I thought it was. You know, kind of a knockoff, but yeah, there was actually a horror host named Penny Dreadful and her uh, Shilling Shockers. Mm -hmm. Um, She did a little stint through 2008 to 2011. Um, One girl, I'm going to go ahead and I kind of dig her stuff. She's really cool. I found her uh, Zena, the real queen of horror. She's on YouTube. (laughs) Okay, Um, she has her own stuff. Um, Last but not least, we cannot forget the great Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. You know he's still around. He's he's on Shutter quite a bit. You guys got to check him out. Horror hosts really—they really bring movies that we just would never have thought about seeing. And it's not so much about the movies, but it, what I found in, in reviewing some of these and reading some interviews from different folks, um, it, it's the horror hosts themselves. It's like we all remember Captain Kangaroo or Captain Chesapeake. If you know you've been in Maryland as long as I have, you know it's always the hosts that really make the show as you're watching the movie. And it's been, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. There is always a resurgence of those who want to keep that, I guess you could say, uh, you know, job personality, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just that that tradition alive of being a horror host and bringing, trying to bring something unique and fun while trying to scare the crap out of you or nauseate you with just how bad those movies are.
0: Yeah, Horror Hound, uh, once a year, has a horror, house, uh, horror Host Hall of Fame. So I can't – I think it's – Brad, it's Indianapolis is the one they do that to? Or, I think or so. is it Cincinnati? Yeah. It's one of those two. Mm. But, yeah. yeah, it's it's fantastic because they, they do an induction ceremony and everything else. But to your point, John, it is amazing how many horror hosts are still kind of coming onto the scene or still operating – you know, the the whole idea of the horror host is to kind of guide you through a film. And yeah. uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I'll just share my thoughts. The, the horror host is a subgenre, I think, of horror films to where there are some movies I would never watch. I can, I can list a lot of them that on their own I don't think I would seek out and watch. However, if Elvira is doing something with them or Svengoolie or something of that nature, I'll watch that film because um, – Fritz the Owl is another one that I discovered. Oh, at Fritz horror the Al, Yes. Yeah. And he does these things where he puts himself in scenes of the film, interacts with it. And so the movies sometimes are so cheesy and you're having fun watching them with the horror host. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people think of Rod Serling as a horror host, but he definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Crypt Keeper, I think, Brad, is your introduction to it. Uh, but, yeah, that and Ronda Sheer up all night with Ronda Sheer,
1: not specific. Oh yeah. Not yeah, specifically horror, but they did a lot of horror films. I mean, I think that's originally where I saw Chopping Mall was on Up All Night with Rhonda Sheer. So yeah, um, big shout out to her.
0: And, and Gilbert Godfrey, and and they all range from comedy to seriousness to kind of you know I like Joe Bob Briggs in that he'll go through this you know fourteen head explosions, you know <laughs> three naked butts, everything. He's giving you the stats, but he's giving you the history of the film too. Um, and if you want to see one of the best Joe Bob uh, his his interview with Gary Busey at one point, you can search that on YouTube. Oh. It's oh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but I, I got to ask it, you, yeah.
1: But one of the thing, the, one of the good things about having the horror host with you, it, it's it. You're not going to watch a bad film by yourself, so the horror host <laughs> yes. kind of helps give you that buffer. Like, oh, I'm I'm watching it with Elvira. She's you know helping me get through this. Um, she's making fun of it as we go, sort of deal.
0: Yeah. Now, Angel, I got to ask. I mean, do you do you have a favorite, or is it Elvira or some others? And and the second follow-up question is that does do you like the horror host genre? Does it add like your your enjoyment of the film?
3: I mean, my absolute favorite is always going to be Elvira, but like some of the ones I remember are like Mystery Science Theater. I love oh, the yeah. the puppets and the in between oh, yeah. scenes of them bullying the guy. That was so much fun. And then Tales of the Crypt, I remember begging you guys almost every night to always
0: watch. (laughs) You were a big fan (laughs) of Tales of the Crypt, yeah.
3: Yeah, anything horror as a kid, I loved. But seeing, it always depends on the host. Like, some of the hosts I really love, and I get their comedy and stuff like that, but like with uh, Count Gordavorre,
0: Gord Deval, get his name right. Gore Count Gord
3: <laughs> Count Gord He just—I don't like him that much. Like, I know we differ on this, no, but I'm just God. not a big fan.
2: <laughs> no, God, please, no, no, oh, God. no. Like I've seen him
3: a few times, I feel like, but I've just each time I just I don't like it.
0: You just don't like. You don't go for a shtick, right? no okay well you know his dad jokes are a little lame but that's what i like about him that's uh, why it's
3: for you and not me
0: all right shush uh well hey <laughs> i do you guys remember like your first horror host like the one that you're like what's going on here and um it just introduced you to the whole thing did did you have a first one john
2: gosh it's been ages um so for me, my my first horror hosts were actually found in the comics. Um, I, I know I talked about this before. Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. the three witches. Um, they always were there doing their stuff. Um, I, I can tell you um the very first horror host um that crossed over from comics to movies, uh Crypt Show Creep Show's the creep. His the first time I saw that movie, um that literally scared me to death because I was up all night because you know, they had this live action puppet of the creep. Yeah. And where I was sleeping at, at my uncle's house, he has this big old bay window and there's a couple trees. And that night the moon was kind of bright and there was kind of, you know, stuff flying around. And every time I opened my eyes, I swore to God, he's like looking around the corners, like, yeah, I'm waiting for you to go to sleep, dude. <laughs> I just could not sleep that night. I mean, that was the very first one, um, Elvira, but definitely um, I, I'm getting more into Joe Bob. Um, cause he's on shutter and mm-hmm. it's just, I love his last drive-ins. Um, it's just amazing, but yeah, my first ones were actually
0: comic books. Okay. And, Abel. and Brad, so creep show, uh, or no tales from the crypt. That's your, tales that's your from the trip. yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cause we had HBO when I was real little, so I'm sure I was staying up way too late on Saturday nights waiting for the, 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 the crypt keeper and that and that and up all night with Rhonda Shear and, uh. Yeah, I think that's it. Because I, I, again, Elvira, I wasn't a thing for me. Um, Joe bogg was not a thing for me. Um, horror for me really started in like 1996 when I was 13 with Scream. So you know, I've, that's kind of my introduction. So I was a little bit late to a lot of this stuff. So,
0: so d- yeah. do you get? Do you like watching horror host like bits or movies with horror hosts, or is it just not your thing?
1: Yeah, it it's kind of my thing i mean sometimes it's like you're watching a movie with one of your annoying friends that won't shut up but you know <laughs> if they're funny and they're good you know it, it'll it's fine but um you know sometimes i just want to watch a movie and um i don't need the host but it is fun it's a fun novelty thing for me um it's funny that angel brought up mystery science theater that's another one's like you're always with that friend that you go to the movie theater with and they talk and they have to joke through the whole time. You're like, look, dude, it's not, this isn't MS3K like back off. Okay. I know you're funny. You don't have to prove it. So, but no, yeah, that's like tales was such a moment in time for me though. Like I know I was seven or eight in, in, you know, and HBO was pretty hardcore. So I was seeing some stuff. I probably shouldn't have been, but you know, I was the, I was the baby. I was the third kid. My parents, literally didn't care. So
0: that's cool. So my introduction to it, um, my, my father was working, I, I think it was for Dole at the time in Wichita, Kansas, and the union went on strike and you had to go to the union hall. And I, I guess it was open all the time or, you know, answer calls or whatnot. Cause you know, it was a 24 hour plant. And on Friday nights I would get excited to go to work with him. But really, that was like his turn at the union hall from like seven o'clock at night till seven o'clock the next morning, and I would make it like, till like
1: Dole, like the plantation, like the like the fruit Dole
0: Dole Foods, I think it was, or Dole yeah. Meat Processing. I, I can't remember the exact name. I I think it was Dole, but it was out of Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And uh, I think it was like Dole Meat Packing. I don't I don't think it was it had anything to do with like the pineapple fruit. You know, oh, okay. Yeah. So th- I, I remember there was a horror host out of Kansas City, Kansas at the time, and we picked it up on you know the Wichita station. But um, she came onto the scene the same time as Elvira, 1981. So you got to keep in mind when Elvira started, she was just in like her Los Angeles area, right, or, or Southern California, and all these horror hosts, none of them were nationally syndicated. If you ever got that, that was kind of a big deal. These were all just local. So Crematia Mortem was pretty much a Vampira, um Elvira hodgepodge. And she ran Creature Feature from 1981 to 1988. So I remember catching her uh, when we would have to sit at the Union Hall at night and then watched her growing up. But that, that was my introduction to it. And then discovered Elvira, obviously, when... Um, her show went on national syndication. That was kind of a big deal when that happened. Uh, and, and you, you guys have already talked about my other favorites, which is, you know, Joe Bob Briggs, um, count Gord of all, regardless of what my daughter says. Um, he's hilarious. Svengoolie. So he originally started in 1970. Um, he's had a couple of iterations. Like you said, John, you know, son took over. He's actually currently on me TV Saturday nights. He's still he's still doing that. What? Yeah. Me TV Saturday nights. Huh. You can catch Svengoolie. So he's he's the horror host with the rubber. The hell chicken. is me TV. Me TV is um, it's a cable uh, channel. Oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. Get that out of Ohio. Uh, yeah, I think so. What's weird yeah, is no, if you, if there's a I documentary, um, from 2006 called American scary, yeah. I, I think it's on Amazon prime. Yes, it is. Yeah. There, but it's an entire documentary on the legacy of horror hosts. It's absolutely fascinating, but what you'll find out for whatever reason, a lot of these big name horror hosts for came out of Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. So I, I don't know if like, what else are you
1: going to do in Cleveland?
0: <laughs> yeah. You watch horror movies and, and talk about it. Um,
1: and pray for LeBron James to come at some point in time. Yeah, there
0: you go. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I want to give a shout out because um, they did a little intro for us last year, but John, you talked about, you know, on Roku or the internet, et cetera, horror hosts is alive and, and flourishing and you get these little, um, again, little regional things that are, that are being done, but because of the internet, everybody can see him. And there's a horror host that Angel and I – this was kind of our thing to do. You, you remember Angel? We, we would sit down and watch Housewife of Horror. So yeah,
3: I remember the episode that we watched. They, like, went to this – they are reviewing some, like, atomic monster thing. They, like, went to the old, like, retro place and, like, had a whole set there and showed you all the old cool stuff. And I think it was really cool how they brought, like, history into, like, the movie.
0: Yeah, I I, I – Housewife of Horror is a great example of if if you watch her and Mr of Horror, I think they have great chemistry and they would review movies early in the beginning and to Angel's point. they would they're based out of Aurora, Illinois, and they would go to these antique shops and show you some really cool stuff uh, and and kind of tie their bits into the film. And then they would put on a Halloween special where they were showing like Halloween shorts and they would do a Christmas special. I think they're on hiatus too. I, I believe they're coming back with something that they're going to do for Christmas. They haven't done anything for a few months, but it's, you know, it's to me, it's a great example of horror hosts are going to hit and miss. It's really about your personality. So with angel yeah. who her personality is, I, I don't know, um, doesn't like count That's Gore of awesome. Yeah. You're using awesome really loosely right there. She doesn't like count. <laughs> Gore it, again, it comes down to, do you connect with that personality? Uh, and and if you do, it's going to be a fun ride. And, and to me, housewife of horror, like I said, it's, it's just charming. So she, she and her husband have this whole like suburban nightmare kind of motif going on. Uh, and it's like the ghoul next door and, (laughs) and, and it's a fun little shtick. but it's their personality that shines. And, uh, it makes getting through some really horrid films, um, you know, less painless. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole horror host genre. We could talk about Stella uh, and I mean the, the list goes on and YouTube is great because you can go back and see a lot of like best of clips. But if you really wanna dive into the subject, I strongly encourage you, you know, check out American Scary, that documentary. Yeah. And then also if you got a Roku, grab it, go to Suburban uh, Screams, that's where you can find Housewife of Horror. But I mean, there, there's so many great little internets. There's the mummy and the monkey and um, the, the list goes on, but it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But tonight we're talking about the queen of Halloween, none other than Elvira, with her movie from 1988, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So, Brad, we have ta- we've said time and time again at this point, our theory is 1988 probably the greatest year of films. But when, it's up Elv- there. yeah, when Elvira came out, it it bombed pretty hard. You want to you want to go through the numbers and and give us a little yeah. history on that?
1: So, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark Nights. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Mistress of the dark uh, has a modest budget of $7.5 million. Um, only grosses $5.5 million. It's all domestic, no international for uh, Miss Elvira.
0: It's criminal. It's criminal.
1: Uh, yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't cross borders. Um, opening weekend, it ranks in at number seven um, and makes $1.6 million. And um, that weekend, you have things like Gorilla in the Mist, Heartbreak Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel.
0: Wasn't that the comedy where That's Elvis the, was? Elvis, a, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Which is funny because isn't like wasn't
0: Cassandra is it, Peterson uh, is a huge is a Elvis big, fan. Yeah, Elvis yes. fan, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh Fish Fish named Wanda, Dead Ringers, Die Hard, you know, all those movies that come out in nineteen eighty eight. Um and um critically, critically. Angel, you might want to take your headphones off for this. Um, (laughs) Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, sits at a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 65% with the audience. Um, So, you know, kind of middling at best. Films that come out in September of 1988 along with Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. We have Eight Men Out, Earth Girls Are Easy, Running on Empty, Cocoon the Return, uh, Vampire's Kiss. A, B, C,
0: D. Nicholas Cage. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Gorillas in the Mist, Dead Ringers, and then, of course, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Comes out September 30th of 1988. And just a little refresher for people who want to know what came out in 1988. We have films like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Good Morning Vietnam, Big Crocodile Dundee 2, Three Men and a Baby, Cocktail, Moonstruck, Die Hard. Beetlejuice, Twins, Fish named Wanda, uh, Willow, Naked Gun, Scrooge, Rainbow Three, Bull Durham, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, Rain Man, Young Guns, Land Before Time, and the list goes on and on. There's literally like fifty good films that come out in 1988.
0: So ninety, I think we talked about this because The Blob which is our first film for spooktober came out this year and you Mm -hmm. can go back and listen to that episode because we talk like the highlights of horror that year which are freaking impressive
1: so out of the this list has 240 films on it um elvira mistress of the dark comes in at um 130th place ouch yeah
0: you forgot you forgot two other big films that came out in 88 Dragons Forever and Police Story Two,
2: of course, yes. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, forgive me, Jackie Chan. Yeah, forgive me. Yeah, that was kind of bad luck on her part there, because uh, her movie, uh, what was it, New World Pictures? Mm-hmm. They went bankrupt that year, so that's one of the reasons why they did not go international. They ended up showing on uh, what was it, like three
0: hundred screens, five hundred screens. Very yeah. We'll limited. talk about this. Actually, uh, it was a couple of weeks after her film was released. They pulled it because everybody was afraid that New World couldn't do the advertising anymore, although it was right. one of those films that as the week went on, it was unusual. It was actually um, doing better and better at box office, but yeah. New World pulled it um, because of its yeah. financial troubles. We'll, we'll talk about New World pictures here in a minute.
1: <laughs> I, I also have a question. Yeah. I know it's the end of September and September is followed by October, but why are you not releasing this film like two weeks before Halloween?
0: Um, probably the same reason why they do that today. I mean, so Halloween kills, did that come out at the beginning of October two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like with the Halloween season, it's, it's kind of like what summer box office used to be May sort of end of Mm -hmm. May. And now it starts what February, I don't know. I feel like like with March for sure. Yeah. I mean, scary films, uh, they're plentiful and I feel like there's only so many weekends leading up to that Halloween weekend. And it seems like the, the, you know, the scares kind of drop off when you get into November and you're in Turkey season, nobody wants to be scared anymore. So I think end of, end of September you get a nice runway, but we'll also talk about like, Hey, is this, is this really a Halloween scary film or is it, you know, is it its own thing? I guess. But let's let's the talk about the of
3: Halloween.
0: I know <laughs> it really should have been closer, but let, let's talk about the people behind the camera and in front of the camera. So I'm going to start with director James Signorelli. Anybody familiar Good with James?
1: job? I know he was a SNL guy. That's yeah. all I
0: him. he did a lot of the SNL commercials. Um, so if you look at his credits, it's a lot of, of Saturday Night Live. The first film he did was Easy Money in 1983 with Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know if you guys have oh, seen that. Yes. I, know, I know Angel <laughs> hasn't seen that. You know, do you know who Rodney Dangerfield is? No. Have you seen Caddyshack? Yeah. Still no respect. <laughs> yeah, the the eccentric golfer yeah. that's real yeah. rich and.
3: Yeah. Wow. Oh, I think I know what you're
0: talking about. Okay, yeah, big time comedian. What was that?
1: What was that soccer movie he was in? Lady. Ladybugs.
0: Lady Ladybugs. Ladybugs. Yeah, yeah, you probably have seen that. That's yeah. not classic Rodney mm-hmm. Dangerfield. No. Um, he well, I was also, just trying
1: to think something that maybe. Yeah, no, 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 no. That was good. She's seen Kajak. <laughs> um, uncredited
0: in 1985, he directed Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And outside of that, it's all TV credits, right? So that's important to remember. The screenplay. Now there's there's three people credited to writing the film. The first of all is Sam Egan. Mostly television series like The Incredible Hulk. Manimal. I don't know if you remember that one, John. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah, he did that one. The fall Ooh. guy, which is that's the series now he wrote um the special. I believe that Elvira was on, so that's how they met. And also like Stargate SG1. But if you go and look at his credentials, just about everything that he's done outside of this film has been TV. You get John Paragon, which is a longtime collaborator with Cassandra Peterson, who is Elvira. He's done uh, Elvira's movie Macabre. So that's her original show that she did the hosting gig on. Uh, He also worked on the Pee Wee Herman show and then Elvira's Haunted Hills, which is uh, Elvira's second major film. And then of course, Cassandra Peterson, Elvira's movie Macabre. She's a writer for her own show. And then um, outside of this, she's done uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills. Now you hinted at this, John. There's two things I want to talk about real quick. So the production company, the people who actually put the money together and got this film made, was NBC Productions. So we're talking yes. NBC, the TV studio, right? So here's how the story goes: Cassandra Peterson wanted, uh, or was approached by NBC to do a sitcom, and in her head she goes, well, "Wait a second! In in the '80s, if you..." went on TV, there was no chance of you getting a TV or a movie series, right? So you could do film and transition to TV, but you can't do TV and transition to film today. You go back and forth, right? So, um, you know, the casting director, Joel, uh, Thurm pitched the idea of a sitcom and everybody got real enthusiastic about it except for Cassandra Peterson. She had her heart set on doing the film first and said hey thanks uh, appreciate it i'll come back and talk to you guys after I, I do the movie and nbc was so taken with her and said you know what um tell you what we'll produce your film and you just make sure that we get first right at doing a sitcom television series additional films after this one she said absolutely no problem now to distribute the movie they went to New World Pictures. So New World Pictures was founded in 1970 by, guess who? Roger Corman. Good guess. Roger I, Corman. I, I said that. I was on mute. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah yes. 1970, Roger Corman created New World Pictures, and that's actually who distributed this film. They've done all the Roger Corman films. Here's some other films that they distributed. Shogun Assassin in 1980. So yes. that's the Lone Wolf and Cub, where they took the first two films, mm-hmm. put it together. Yep. Um, children of the corn in 1984, the Philadelphia experiment in 1984. They were busy in 84. Here's another one. Chud in 1984. Classic. What does Chud stand for? John cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Yeah. Angel, have you seen Chud yet?
3: Not
0: yet. All right. You are a list. Yeah. I know you've seen this one, Angel, the stuff from 1985. Remember the killer yogurt?
3: Yeah.
0: That was a great film. They also did Godzilla 1985 that came out in 1985 Transylvania, six, 5,000 house. Now that funny story about angel growing up as a kid, it was monsters, Inc.
1: How else would you, sorry, no, listen, growing this, up as a kid, yeah.
0: like as a, Growing up as an adult, but okay. No, no, I, I can't even remember how you were young. So Angel used to look like boo from monsters Inc. Cause we called her boo cause she had the pigtails and everything. Oh, 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 and so oh, when she's oh. that, when she was that young, there were a couple of films she always wanted to watch. It was finding Dory or finding Nemo, excuse me. And finding monsters Nemo. Inc. And uh house. Those were the three films that she loved. She watched one of those is not like the other. Yeah. She watched, yeah. She, she watched house it was the
3: start of the scary movie obsession.
0: Yeah, I think you watched House as much as you watched uh, Finding Nemo at some point.
3: Yeah. See, that you can proves watch that all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah, that proves she is, she is, you know, she's my second daughter. That proves it. Right this, this is
0: true. <laughs> yep. There's the You're test. You're a
1: big William Cat fan. Is that what it is? <laughs> was it William Cat? Please tell me
0: he was in that movie. Okay. And Good. George yes. George Wendit from Cheers. George Wendt. George Wendit. No, uh, Robert Mall. Robert Mall. He Maul. was in it too. Yeah, yeah, Night Court. Bull. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Bull. Yeah. George Wendt, Yeah.
0: Well, here's here's some other things that uh, uh, New World did. They also released "No Retreat, No Surrender" with jean oh Claude gosh. Van Damme. That was that was his big debut. Uh, the Punisher, 1991, with Dolph Lundgren. That was so. That was, I think, their last theatrical one, and it didn't really, you know, get much uh, legs because I think they were still in the bankruptcy. But the actual last thing that that they distributed was in 1993, a direct-to-video erotic thriller called "Die Watching." And then New World Pictures was no more. Sorry, Roger Carman. I'm guessing
1: that Die Watching is like a voyeuristics type movie, right? Surely it's got to be.
0: I, I have no idea, man. I mean, it's called
1: Never. Die Watching.
0: I'm assuming this goes back to our discussion when uh, was it Showgirls came out in early 90s was all the erotic thrillers and stuff coming mm, out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I mean. It, it makes total sense behind the scenes that NBC was going to bankroll this thing. So if you kind of look behind the scenes, you got a pretty much TV director. And then outside of um, John Paragon and Elvira, who or Cassandra Peterson, who are writing for their show, they had Sam Egan come in to kind of oversee the writing process. So you have a lot of television talent working behind the scenes uh, in front of the camera. It's kind of the same, too. So we have Cassandra Peterson as Elvira. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Angel may know this because, and you might know this too, Brad. Because you, well, you all might know this. John, are you reading the biography that uh, Cassandra Peterson just put out?
2: I have not got into it yet. Work's been keeping me
0: slave labor. I'll just say that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Did you finish it, <laughs> Brad? That sounds yet, like an Brad? excuse, huh? Did you finish it? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good. Then you'll know this, right, Angel? You better know this.
3: I'm on chapter nine, so I don't know.
0: Okay. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm not paying for your college anymore if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. Kidding. Uh, Do you know what Cassandra Peterson's first film is? It's uncredited, but do you know what her first film is?
1: Oh, I do. Uh, No
0: Googling. Wasn't it uh, that James Bond movie? Yeah,
1: it was James Bond. It was a James Bond film. She was
0: one of the dancers? Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. That's what it was. Yes, Yes.
1: 1971. I was thinking. I was going in my head because i thought you're gonna ask me something about her vegas stint and stuff like that
0: so. well that's tied to her vegas i mean that's kind of yeah. how she got that part yeah. so uh another interesting chapter of her memoir led to her second film role do you know what that was do you remember that brad the
1: working girls right the working girls
0: uh no i think this was before no. that it's uncredited it happened the year after diamonds are forever
1: well uh, i don't remember if it's Paul Fiction, I could get it, but not yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: She has an uncredited role in Federico Fellini's Roma from 1972. She's worked That's with Fellini.
2: That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. So if you want to drop some knowledge about Elvira, her first two films are Diamonds Are Forever, a James Bond film, and Federico Fellini's Roma. There you go.
1: Is that where she met? Presley, Elvis Presley. Didn't she meet Elvis Presley early on in her career? And yeah, you know? I think
0: she was dancing yeah. though in he Vegas. Was
3: dancing at the Showgirls place, right?
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah.
2: so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he co- uh, he convinced her to you know leave that because she had apparently you know a really great voice, and he thought she he has he gave great advice to her from what I understand, which was you know go take some voice lessons, go learn you know go sing, and she went to Italy, which yeah. is where she met Fellini. Fellini and that's how she got into that little bit mm-hmm.
1: yeah and and another thing that shouldn't surprise people but like then she got into like the ground links where yes. she kind of honed her comedy ground yes
0: yeah. 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 yeah worked with Pee Wee herman himself paul rubens yep. phil hartman really close friends i think mm-hmm. she was one of the last people i think in her memoirs, she talked with phil hartman before the uh murder suicide Like yeah. a day or so before yep. mm-hmm. But yeah, she she has an amazing history. She did those two films. She, she was, was
1: almost on Gilligan's Island.
3: I learned about that.
1: As yeah, well. yeah,
0: <laughs> that's right. She that's auditioned cool. for Ginger. Ginger, yeah. You know. Angel, am- nine hmm. chapters in. Would you recommend the book so far?
3: I love the book. I can't. I only listen to it when I'm like driving back home because when I try to listen to it when I'm doing work, I stop working and just get like hooked into it. It's
1: <laughs> like, fascinating. It's a fascinating yeah.
0: book. It's fantastic. A plus. Oh, and it,
1: like John was saying. I think, okay. So Cassandra Peterson is a large breasted woman. Um, and she plays into that, but she's like super intelligent, like one of the smartest people in the entire world. She speaks like like fluid Italian.
0: uh, Yeah. It's like, yeah.
1: So, you know, she's playing this character and you're thinking, Oh, this, you know, airhead and with a growling she's playing, she had like this Valley girl type character that she played, but she's like far from that. She's super intelligent. Um, she has a fascinating story. I mean, she's been playing this character for 40 years and, you know, also comes out as, you know, I've been living with a woman. I, you know, I'm a lesbian and that's just who I am. And I've been a lesbian for 19 years and deal with it. And it's just really fa- like it is one of the most fascinating books. I've I can't say I'm reading it. I've listened to in a long time. She reads it. If I you get the audio book, book, she yeah. reads the yes. book. It's yeah.
2: fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait I can't wait. She's she's a fascinating person um all around. If you really went back and looked at Cassandra Peterson and just just kind of studied I mean really studied her and and what she took as an idea and and literally proves that for her there were no ceilings. She built her empire. To this day it is an empire and it is hers 100%. And it's just amazing. Do you, well just and then it,
1: it also goes into the whole thing with the Vampira lady who you know sues her yeah but ultimately is really just jealous of the fame that she because her run was two years and cassandra's is 40 years and still going so yeah you know she sued her and lost um you know they're both kind of playing on the morticia character anyway but um yeah so I, i just think it's a fascinating read and and sadly you know, they never got to reconcile. I guess that lady died in 08 and they never got to reconcile. But Cassandra's always been like, Yeah, I don't know why she doesn't like me, I, but I'm not going to let it bother me, which I also respect.
0: Yeah. Now, yep. Angel, do you remember meeting Cassandra?
3: Yeah, I met her at my first convention, I think, back when it was just me and you. I think it was like Scarefest, was yep, it? Was in called. Mm-hmm. Yep, in Lexington.
0: Yep. Yeah, nice. Yeah. She
3: was so sweet. Like, she was the nicest person ever.
0: Yeah, she was fantastic. Uh I think I think that was a big weekend because Cassandra Peterson and Lyn Shea would not mm-hmm. leave you alone the entire weekend, which was <laughs> Lynn awesome. Shay's
2: awesome. She's awesome too. Yeah. What year was that? Oh um, my yeah,
0: I'd have to go I back. It was anyway.
3: like maybe ten years ago.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were you were okay. about nine, I think, is when you went.
3: Yeah, I think it was like eight or nine.
0: So
1: was that so that was a little bit before the Lynn Shea renaissance happened with
0: insidious and stuff, right? That was
3: yeah. when the first insidious okay. came
0: out. Okay. <clears throat> yep. Angel gotcha. had asked her, it, it was, it was great. I'll, gosh, we're just sitting here telling stories. So that was an interesting, sure. um, it, Cassandra Peterson was kind of blown away by the questions that angel was asking her. Um, and the, and it wasn't like questions like, oh my gosh, you're so great. Stuff like that. They were having a dialogue, which surprised the heck out of me. Cause when I saw Cassandra Peterson, <laughs> the only thing I could get out was you're awesome and angels just talking with her. And same thing with Lynn Shay. Uh, and she was asking Lynn Shay about, well, how did you do this in the film? What were you doing here? And so Lynn was like explaining it. And then the other person I remember specifically, we were in a night of the living dead, uh, panel. (laughs) And, um, the, is it John Russo who was one of the screenwriters? Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So he was on the panel and he was going through and talking about, um, well, you know, what was so monumental about Night of the Living Dead is it's it's the first film that really tackled the zombie genre and stuff like that. And I'm I'm sitting next to Angel, and all of a sudden her her hand just goes up in the <laughs> middle of this conversation, and and she's basically interrupting John Russo, um, and and he's like, yes, and she, Angel goes, um, well, what about White Zombie was. I, I thought, like, zombie films were way before Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> just, to, just to see John be like, well, you see, da-da-da, and he's he's sitting there having a debate with Angel, this, like, nine-year-old, where she's like, nope, there have been zombie movies way before your film.
1: So Angel did well, actually, to John Russo. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yes,
0: so after that awesome. panel was over and we get out of our chairs, and he's, like, running to the door because he wanted to meet her, and then she's having a conversation with him for, like, like 10 or 15 minutes or something you guys are going but she, he's like well did you where did you see this film she's like oh i like this but my favorite's the thing from another world and he's, she's just listing all these like black and white stuff off so yeah angels got like street cred when it comes to horror films represent yeah all right back to cassandra peterson i'm tired of bragging on my daughter um cheech and chong's next movie i totally forgot she was in that in 1980 mm-hmm. yep. and Wee's movie Uh, Yes, she was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, Alan Quatermain, The Lost City of Gold, 1986. She was in Stroker Ace, the Hal Needham, Burt Reynolds, Lonnie Anderson Uh, film. Yes. The Sting 2 with uh, Terry Garr. Yeah. Um, Jekyll and Hyde together again in 1982. And she she did TV shows as Elvira. So she was on the Chips TV series. And you mentioned this already, John. She did two, I think, episodes on The Fall Guy, which is an amazing show. Um, yes, it was. Let's talk about Chastity Pariah, played by. Well, just
1: before you yeah. go, um, my son is kind of going through like a Scooby Doo phase right now. Oh, and she, there's she a, did. Uh, yeah, she's yeah. in. Scooby-Doo. She did the Happy Halloween Scooby Doo, yep. which is actually really good, and she's really good as a voice actress too. So you're just like, damn it, you could pretty much do everything, but. She's really good in that. I think she, she did a couple of I,
0: Scooby-Doo movies, didn't she?
2: Even like She did. Return three?
1: to Zombie Island, I think, yep.
0: and something else. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Hey, Like John said, she's built an empire. I mean, she's done everything. Um, I want to talk about Edie McClurg, Chastity Pariah. So she came up with Cassandra and the Groundlings and um, 219 acting credits. I mean, when you see Edie McClurg, you, you know exactly – but I don't know about you guys. There are two there are two movies I outside of this one that I immediately associate her with and it's Ferris Bueller's, Ferris Day, Bueller's Off. Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day yeah. Off, yes. Yeah. She <laughs> plays Grace the Secretary. And then um Planes, Trains and Automobiles, she's the car rental agent. Which yes. talk about <laughs> stealing a scene with just like two minutes. You remember Edie McClure just from those two films. But she's and, and Elvira, I think she's fantastic. Yeah,
1: she's th- she's a that person sort of deal.
0: Yeah. You also get Daniel Green as Bob. Lots of TV series like General Hospital, Alice, The Eighteen Night Court. Um, but th- this was interesting. He he was in Hands of Steel from '86, which is a that's a great late '80s schlocky film. Uh, yeah. American Rickshaw is another like bonkers oh film. But I totally forgot that um, he kind of I I don't know he he just came under the Farley Brothers wing. He he was in Kingpin. Fair, fairly brothers. Far, fairly. Fairly brothers, right? Um, yeah. Kingpin. There's something about Mary and me, myself, and Irene. So um, his face is recognizable. Susan Kellerman as Patty. Again, lots of TV. You're seeing a theme here, right? Because NBC's is putting this together. She was in Starsky and Hutch, Laverne and Shirley, Taxi, Perfect Strangers. She was also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles as a waitress. She was in Beetlejuice and Death Becomes Her. I remember in Death mm-hmm. Becomes Her. Um, I think I remember in Beetlejuice. William Morgan Shepard, uh, our, our villain. Hawk the Slayer, 1980. Brad, have you seen Hawk the Slayer? I have not. You got to
2: watch it. It's awesome.
0: Angel, okay. we need to put that on your list too. That one's just... <laughs> it's terrible. It's a terrible film, but we got to watch it's it. It's awesome. <laughs> Don't listen to John or Dad number 2. Dad number 2 is wrong on this one. I mean, it's awesome because it's so terrible, but there you go. Mm. Uh, the Keep, 1983. Um, good movie. Real yeah, good movie. Eh, challenge, but... um Max Headroom, 1985, Wild at Heart, 1990, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So uh, William Morgan Shepard has that look and that voice about him. John Paragon, who wrote it, is also in the film as a gas station attendant. Here we get some interesting ones. We get Kurt Fuller as Mr. Harold Glotter. I think you remember Kurt from Ghostbusters 2. In Wayne's World. In Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not the greatest movie he's ever been in. Can can you guess what the greatest movie Kurt Fuller has ever been in? I mean, if you're to think of one Kurt Fuller film, there's No only, Holds Bard. It's no holds bard. <laughs> 1989's No Holds Bard, which we've been friends for too long. Yes, I, I knew exactly what you were gonna we say. We are gonna review that one someday. And <sighs> we're gonna need a lot of alcohol to do it. Yep. Um Jeff Conaway. As Travis from the TV series Taxi and Greece, 1978. There you go. Frank Collison, he's been on the show just this month. Do you remember what film, Brad? He plays Billy. He plays the other kind of side henchman. He was on The Blob, right? He yeah, The, the blob. blob from 1988. There you go. Uh, and let's just talk about the kids real quick. Um, probably the only one that might be recognizable is Ira Hayden as Bo. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. But um, did, Chris, you,
1: did you see the fact that someone else was almost in this movie.
0: Uh, yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Yep. Chris cam, Scott Morris, Randy and Sean. Uh, not really much else outside of that. They're, they're on the uh, documentary if you happen to get the mm-hmm. arrow set. So, well, let's talk about development real quick before we get to thoughts. So um, Cassandra Peterson, John Paragon, they met in the comedy troop, the groundlings. You talked about this and they worked their way up to, you know, movie macabre, this film, and what ends up happening is they are trying to put this film together. They're pulling a lot of people from the Groundlings to see if they can do that as well. Um, but after appearing in a small part in Peewee's big adventure, Peterson thought Tim Burton <laughs> would be the perfect choice to direct this film, but he got tied up with his production of Beetlejuice. Okay. So that's probably when, a b-
1: better career move for. Yeah. Him,
0: so that's when NBC said, well, we're going to give you James Signorelli, to direct. So he, you know, he's a veteran TV director and then, on, you know, he had one feature film under his belt, but he did all those Saturday night live um, shorts, et cetera. Now, one thing we'll talk about is a ton of roles and a ton of auditions come through the you know door for this film. But Brad, you want to talk about somebody famous who happened to audition for one of the kids?
1: Yeah. Brad Pitt and, uh, uh, Cassandra Peterson thought he was, too hot to be in the movie, really. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can take that. A 1988 Brad Pitt, yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, apparently, she, what were the notes that she wrote on the script or casting? There'd or be it? like, like I, I forget what it was, but it was something like,
3: yum yum next. Yeah, yeah, yum, yeah, yum,
0: yeah yum yum, 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 yum. yum. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. uh And tidbit to bring it back to the to the memoir. I'd
1: like to see that. Nothing. I, I yeah, will, Angels Here. I can't say it.
0: Yeah, you can't. You gotta be good. Um Brad Pitt ended up later on uh, buying her house, so they met again. Uh, the film actually had some awards. Did you know about this? I, I did. Yeah, I did so and the infamous the awards though, weren't they? Well, you know, <laughs> there's some good and bad in here. Um, the film received a Razzie Award nomination for Cassandra Peterson as Worst Actress, but she lost to Liza Minnelli. Were Arthur, now, Liza Minnelli got it for Arthur Two on the Rocks and a Cop, so she was in two stinkers. And they're like, "Well, Liza Ooh. Minnelli gets it." Now, now, Cassandra Peterson was kind of torn up about this. She said, "I even lost the worst actress award. Now that's sad." <laughs> that was her response. <laughs> um, that
1: wasn't the only bad award. Do you need to see the other one?
0: Uh, that was the. I was going to go to the other ones okay. that okay. she that go were good. The no, of, she, There's another bad one. Go ahead. What's the other one? It's the stinkers, bad movie awards.
1: For worst picture. (laughs) Yeah, but I've never heard of sneakers bad movie awards. That's why it's not a
0: valid award. So it doesn't count. (laughs) So from an equation standpoint, there's only one bad award, but she's got two good awards. So Fantasporto, which is a Portugal international film festival for sci-fi and horror. She was nominated um, for best film. And then in the Saturn Awards, she was nominated for best actress. So there you go. So two of these awards got it right. One got it wrong. And then another yeah. award show doesn't count. Um, oh, one other thing real quick. So uh, the role of Elvira's Uncle Vinny, which is actually played by um, none other than William Morgan Shepard, was s- written specifically for Vincent Price. And although they had become friends, he apparently passed because he thought the material was too racy. So there's another little... Bit of trivia yeah. for you. Um, and Paul Rubens was supposed to be in it, but he got tied up in um, making Big Top Pee Wee, so yeah. he couldn't be in the film as well. So that's all the interesting. Man, we we like when... Well, yeah. Can I can I throw one more at you? Uh, at all? Yeah, go for it.
2: Cassandra Peterson as Elvira. She was also responsible for the first ever TV episode to be broadcast in 3D.
0: Yes, that's right.
2: That was Where a they big sold those old red and blue glasses the 3d glasses sold in 711 her she was the one responsible for that. She didn't make a ton of money off of it but that's her credit.
0: there she is a uh, great chapter on that um with without spoiling it she goes into detail about that release and even her trying to acquire 3d glasses for her own show yeah <laughs> yep. I'm telling you that <laughs> memoir is fantastic so uh i actually just finished like the last 30 minutes of it today so um yeah i've been listening to nothing but cassandra peterson talk about cassandra peterson for a couple weeks now well hey look uh i think it's time to share our thoughts on this film i can't wait to hear what brad has to say but we're not going to listen to him i think we should start with the one who has been lobbying for like the last year to get us to talk about this so Angel, we brought your film to not a bomb, and uh, I want to hear your initial reaction to it because I, you and I end up watching this every year, right? That I think that's part of the the I don't know the cycle of films, but yeah. we got to sit down. You was a college kid now, so you're all smart and stuff, and we got to watch uh, Elvira. So I'm I'm curious, what what was your initial reaction to uh, this year's viewing?
3: This year, I think it was. I always enjoy watching the movie, but it's so much more fun just to watch you react to it because you like laugh so loud that I'm surprised they don't like hear you from their third floor. Like you're just hilarious to watch watch the movie.
0: Cause it's fun? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you what yeah. do you think about it? I mean, why why has this film uh it it's it's like on constant rotation for you? Why is that?
3: It's just always been one of my favorite films and like one of the first films I really saw like stand out against sexism like all the other films I see in like the 80s and stuff like that is always like some ridiculous like trying to show off women and it's like dumb and like all that but like Elvira really owns who she is and like pushes like consent and she can dress how she wants and act how she wants, but it's on her terms. Like no man's ever going to make her change or do anything.
0: So you're picking up, have you always picked up on that sort of underlying commentary within the film? Because you're right. It, it is unusual for a late eighties film to have a central female character uh, be that empowered and uh, in, in kind of controlling what's going on. Was that always something that gravitated to you or um, anything else? The comedy, the the monsters, whatnot? Or or was it just that theme that made you keep coming back to it?
3: Well, I mean, I think, like, watching her movie Macabre and, like, stuff like that, it was just fun to watch. And, like, even her movie as a kid was fun. But, like, now as, like, I age and seeing more of the in-depth, like, behind the, like, script and everything and, like, the actions of what this means. And, like, just in, like, the first 20 minutes, she stands up for herself against some like weird movie uh tv producer she tells a girl to be herself and she never tries to fit in and i feel like i've just always kind of related to that of like not gonna ever try to fit into the people around me and i'm gonna be who i want to be and not let people dictate my life and that's kind of what spoke to me this last time
0: okay cool all right John. What what are your initial thoughts on Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? Um,
2: loved it when I first saw it as a kid. Um, of course, being a young boy, there's the obvious reasons why you like it. But um, <laughs> I, I love the humor in it because it kind of reminded me of who I was, um, which was you know someone you know says something to you, she's she's she was quick witted to snap back at you, you know. Like, like you know, you can barely fit in that dress. It's like, yeah, well, you gotta get those can rollers out of your hair or something. You know, it it was, it was just loving that. I actually loved the movie because I I knew it wasn't going to be a horror movie. It was going to be a fun movie, and and for me, even, gosh, this afternoon I watched it again because it's just fun. And and, you know, yeah, I would love to hear your laughing because I I find myself laughing at it a lot because it, it, for a woman who's so you know, you you see her as the personality, but this personality is, you know, not only is she gorgeous, but she is strong and she tells it like it is. And yeah, she doesn't take, she doesn't take, you know, shit off nobody. I, I love that. And especially in a movie where it's not talking down to me, but showing that, you know, Hey, you can be this way. And if you like it, great. If not, okay. Bye. And it, to this day, it's just it's just one of those movies I can watch. And I loved that when I checked out Shutter last week, I saw that Elvira had her 40th uh, anniversary special on there, and she's she's right there talking about her own movie, and that was just hilarious to watch. Uh, and to their her credit, it was she even you know at, at the intermission, you know she comes back on to do some more of you know Elvira right in the middle of the movie, and I I really appreciated that after seeing it the first time watching it again you know lastly today um I, I can still laugh at it so much um the only heartbreak i have about the movie is and i am only say and i only picked up on it today because you and i just went to comic-con yesterday um was in the diner and watching an issue of amazing spider-man number 299
0: oh, god that's That's heartbreaking. Get
2: ripped in half. Written by David Michelini. uh, uh, Cover by Todd McFarlane.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Has Um, nothing to do with plutonium? Nope. Has nothing to do with plutonium. Why would you Uh. rip
0: a comic book up?
2: You know? My God. To the point I even checked. I was like, you know, if you got like a low, like, like, (laughs) 9.2 9.2 <laughs> near mint version. It still sells for like 500 bucks. Top mm. tier, 9.8, 2,500. And I'm oh. like, they just rip one and a half.
1: Well, that guy's kind of treating that comic pretty poorly in that. scene, Yeah. We
2: anyway, got an 8.0, but still, yeah. it was just one of those things I picked up on and, you know, just seeing the scenery and the, and the characters and just, again, being able to laugh at the same jokes that I've, I've heard, you know, at least 20 different times over the times i watch it. I appreciate the movie that she put out because I I took it as she wanted to do her movie. She wanted to put out something that she wanted to do. And hopefully the audience would love it. You know, would like it or love it. And I'm one of those in that audience. that just loved it because
0: I, and it was just fun for me. It was just a fun watch. Okay.
3: At least your only criticism is the comic book.
0: Yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. So I had an, uh, an angel can vouch for this when he does that every time I have an audible gasp. When that scene occurs, I'm like, <gasps>
3: bunch of nerds, <laughs> he ripped up
1: $500 as well. Not back, in yeah, not back
3: then, though. Yeah.
0: No, but still, still, it was a Spider-Man comic. You don't rip a Spider-Man comic in half. No, uh, that was terrible.
1: So don't sexually harass a woman in a bar. But, you know, the, the comic is probably, well, the know. most part right, guys.
3: Sure. Like yeah, that's what most... you guys are commenting on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the sexual harassment that happens four minutes later. But well, she handled
0: herself. She <laughs> yeah. handled herself. Spidey... That doesn't
3: make it okay.
2: Spidey was defenseless. That is very true. That,
0: that comic book was defenseless, okay? So it yes. didn't survive. No. Anyways, I digress. Brad, I am curious what your reaction <sighs> is on this one. I have and, a feeling, and, yeah.
1: And so, like, okay, I had no nostalgia for uh, Elvira. Um, I, I think my favorite part of this movie was, was seeing all the people that are in this movie and, and they like being the character actress that I like, I was okay with this movie. Like I didn't love it. Um I didn't really hate it. I was just okay with it. Like it's fine. I don't see much of the humor that you guys see, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Um There was one joke about, um, her head being okay. And yeah. that, one, oh, yeah. that one got me pretty good. She says, I've never heard any complaints. And I was like, oh my God, they said, I'm like, this movie PG-13. And I'm like, there's so much sexual innuendo in this movie. And I'm okay with that. But I'm like, Angel, don't cover your ears. What are you doing, Troy? But anyway, I, I you know, it's, it was the most okay movie I've seen in a long time. Um, there was one of the grossest things I've ever seen, especially post COVID uh, that lady sticks her finger in that casserole and <laughs> oh, yeah. it is disgusting. <laughs> and that casserole has like this weird, like sloppy sound. And I was watching it in my theater. I literally had to turn it down. Cause it was like this sloppy. I just, was I was it making not, you gag? Yes. It was like making like this audible s- sound. And I just, I could not do it anymore.
0: Um, I, I, can we talk about that for a minute? So there are a couple of like what the f- <laughs> friggin' like moments in food. So that, but even leading up to that, the cheese whiz and crushed potato chips <laughs> on top yeah, of the most the, disgusting casserole. I, I, that, the, the tic-tac pie. Oh God. The tic-tac pie is the thing that almost like every time I see it, my gag reflex goes because mm-hmm. Who makes a tick? What is a tic tac pie made of? Is it? I is it I, I don't know just that? like
1: it's, put in there? But I think it's just on top. I think they just sprinkle it on top. I I am always been like very against buffet style food. Like people are disgusting, <laughs> and I don't want to eat after people. And I think COVID has proven that I am right. And I will accept everyone's apologies on my
0: take So you on don't go to the Golden buffets. Corral or anything?
1: Hell no. Hey, <laughs> like, no. I am not eating after a bunch of mouth-breathing uh, dudes that are trying to take their cousin out on a date. I'm not eating after those people. Like, no. Um, so I've always been anti-buffet.
0: So is that um, the scariest scene of the film was the buffet scene in the picnic area?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. All these people sharing food. I'm like, mm. And see what happens? They all have the same thing happen to them because they have to all eat the same food. And it's like, nope, that was Simonilla. You're all throwing your guts up. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you know, man, like, I, I hate to come on here and be like, I didn't love this movie, but I just, it was okay. And it's like, it's perfect. It's 90 minutes. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of boob jokes. I'm like, okay, I I get it. She has big boobs. We we get it. Yes. Awesome. Great. Let's, uh, let's come up with something else. Um, you know, there's literally like 10 scenes where people just grab her. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, good job. 1988. We can just grab women's breasts. Okay. I guess that's okay. Uh, but she always comes back and, you know, stands up for herself In which I get, I get that aspect of it. Um, I just, I didn't love this movie. Um, but I didn't hate it. I don't know if I really enjoyed a whole lot of it. Uh, but I'm glad I've seen it. Um, And maybe like, I don't know, maybe because I, this is my, like literally it's 2021 and this is like the first thing of Elvira I've ever seen. Um, You know, I've met her before at horror Hound, but uh, I've never really seen much of what she does.
0: Well, yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. Does it think, uh, so you, your horror host introduction is Tales from the Crypt, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's hello, that's, creeps. Yep. Yeah, that's your yep. background to it. So, do you think not having exposure to maybe other horror it, it, it doesn't have to be Elvira, but like kind of growing up on horror hosts or kind yeah. of liking or that appreciating definitely that has genre? something to
1: do with it. Okay. And I think if it not being Elvira too is like, are all the jokes all about her breasts? Like, is that all of them, or like, am I missing some of the stuff that goes with it that fans of hers and Her stick would would pick up, and I'm just not getting because it says comedy when I bought it, and I was like, "Eh, that's kind of a stretch. But I I, okay, okay, there are some funny parts, Um, but I don't know, man. Like the showdown with the warlock at the end was okay. Um, The dog was kind of cool.
0: Apparently the know, dog man. was the toughest Yeah, the thing dog
1: to... was the, the biggest Devon set apparently I saw it. Benny, Benny the dog. Was <laughs> yeah. He's biting bitch. everybody in. So, <laughs> the, uh, so uh, you know, it was okay. It was totally fine. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be like in my rotation for horror uh, films and I don't really know if it's a horror film to be honest with you.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I I my take on it is like if you're a fan of the Elvira comedy bits from like Movie Macabre, this film is a treasure trove of one-liners and callbacks to like cheesy, scary films. So it, is it a scary movie? No. Is it a horror movie? Yes. But in the, in the way that a Roger Corman sixties cheesy film is, or a fifties cheesy film or, you know, attack of the killer tomatoes, which they're watching in the theater. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's in this weird genre of horror films where it's horror comedy, right? And it, and it's probably ten percent horror, ninety percent comedy.
1: I think I think a bad sign for a movie. And this is probably going to be a little too harsh when they show a different movie inside a movie, and you're like, "Ooh, I kind of want to watch that." While you're watching that movie, it's probably not a good sign.
0: Like, yeah, I, there, there's some there's some interesting. You know, I, I had the same way. I was like, "Oh, I don't think Angel's ever seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes after all these years," and I need to show yeah. her that one. But um. Now it didn't make me want to like stop. And uh, I, I think this has the DNA of an SNL movie. So it's a sketch character brought to the big screen with like tidbits of backstory. And I think it has that DNA to it. I think it's more fun than a traditional SNL movie and actually has this sort of subtle feminist message that angel picks up on. Um, I didn't really understand that until I got older. And then when you take a step back and look at the films that were coming out in the late 80s and then look at this one, it makes total sense why somebody of like Angel's age would look at this, especially in the 80s and go, oh, wow, this is saying something and I think it's important. And so I I kind of really appreciate that aspect of it. I think in retrospect, that's what makes this film so unusual for its time. It's a female centered film um, with a character that doesn't rely on a guy to make her dreams come true. And she's actually pushing back on the establishment. And I think that's super unique for for late 80s. And this sounds weird, but this (laughs) this is a modern take of Wizard of Oz. Cause you even get a little leaving kansas sign as well as i'll get your little dog to quote um and you'll find out you know she's from kansas too so there you go go Jayhawks. Um, Jayhawks. actually she's hey. from manhattan so that's k-state oh. uh but <laughs> it it takes the wizard of oz and has a splash of Wee's big adventure and an empowered female lead kind of bring it all together and i i think it's a ton of fun but the reason why i think it's a ton of fun is the strength of this film is the one-liners and cassandra peterson's delivery of it so i i just want to share some of my favorites because when angel says i was laughing i i like loud I, I i there were a couple i had tears in my eyes so um that exchange i was i'm always impressed when there's when her and bob are standing outside of the movie theater there's one liner after one liner that comes that are just Out of the ballpark, right? So you talked about the first one, Brad, which, you know, Bob says, how's your head? And Elvira says, I haven't had any complaints yet. And Bob goes, excuse me? And she says, well, I think I'll live. (laughs) First, I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. Then Bob says, well, I can only play G-rated movies. And she says, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with G-rated movies as long as there's lots of sex and violence. (laughs) So that got a good chuckle out of me. And then the whole, you know what your problem is? Chastity pariah. Oh, I th- I thought that cleared up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just boom, boom after that. Um, probably, and and then the uh, so they're more like uh, she's in the bowling alley and asks for a bloody mary, and the bartender says, "No hard liquor served past eight o'clock." Do you want a virgin? And she says, "Maybe, but uh, I'll have a couple of drinks first. I love that line; <laughs> <It> makes <laughs> yeah. me laugh out loud. Um, her monologue when you know she finds out that the town's against her, she can't make a buck, and, and this whole monologue, and if they ever ask about me, tell them I was more than just a great set of boobs, I was also an incredible pair of legs, and tell them, tell them that I never turned down a friend, I never turned down a stranger for that matter, and tell them, <laughs> tell them that when all is said and done, I only ask that people remember me, remember me by two simple words, any two, As long as they're simple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that is freaky. I mean, this movie makes me laugh consistently from start to finish. The dialogue and specifically Cassandra Peterson, she's got that Elvira character down and she nails those one-liners. And I love the fact, I, I think one of the criticisms about this film is you've got Elvira and then there's just character after new character after new character. And it's like a rotating door. And I think that's imposed if you if you see the documentary, one of the things that the studios wanted was they said, well, if you're making a movie for teens, you got to have teenage characters in there. That wasn't the original script. So they had to get these teenage characters in there, which took away, you know, screen time for the adults. Um, so the you know, the end effect is you are going through a lot of characters and they only get a couple of minutes of screen time. But it's Elvira against all these characters and her one-liners and everything that's going down is hilarious. And even the stuff that she's not delivering. I mean, after the whole picnic and uh, they're all having a hangover and they start accusing each other of who's like the horniest and who took advantage. I laughed during that scene too. But I I really think the script is one of the strengths of this film. and, And especially her delivery of her lines as that character just sell it all day long. The rest of the comedy it it's hit or miss. I, I I'll give that to you. Um, I think you're right, Brad. Between Elvira and Patty, this probably has the most boob jokes in a movie ever. I'm sure. I would wonder if Guinness has that as a record. If, probably. Yeah. If so, this I, has to do it. Um, and it's it's juvenile. I mean, some of it works. Um, <laughs> some doesn't. <laughs> but I still chuckle throughout the whole thing. Because uh, you're a
1: child. You're a big man, child.
0: Yeah. The the other scene, and I. I don't know if you guys find this funny um angel thought it was hilarious uh only because of the stories i've told her but the this yes the couch scene of elvira (laughs) seducing bob that makes me laugh every time because that is straight out my first date with tabitha
1: come on dude
0: listen to this yeah she wow took advantage of my innocence. Your so daughter is trying on the... To watch- what? He
3: tells us all the time. He's like, you guys went to a movie and you're just trying to watch the movie while mom's trying to like. Yeah. make out with you and stuff. And you're just like, no, no. I'm trying, trying to, to get watch the and- film.
0: <laughs> yeah. What movie was it? Uh, I think it was The Replacement Killers with Chow fat because it was Chow fat I'm not, and it, I'd already seen it. This is like the second or third time I was oh, watching the film. Shit, and she should have known. She went to go to the movies. Holy I'm like, we can go see The Replacement Killers. I've seen it. She hasn't. And so we're watching Replacement Killers and I'd already seen it. But when we're sitting there and then she's like making her move on me and I'm like, what are you doing? Chow fat is on screen. We're watching the film. There's no, absolutely no make sessions during Chow fat movies. That was right there.
3: I'm surprised I I was even made. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I feel awkward right now, but I guess... <laughs> oh, okay. But, I, I mean, John, back me up here. The, the writing, the comedy, there, there is really yeah. good comedy in this film.
2: There really is. And it, it goes back to, you know, I try to think if any other female comedian were to try and, and pull this off, it would it, have been a... a A disaster, but it's it's Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, and you're right. It's like the writing, the 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 interaction. It's 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 whip. It's lightning fast back and forth, like you said. Just somebody, you know, like oh, you know, when she meets, you know, uh, Patty's. Oh, watch out! You're gonna put somebody's eyes out with those things. You know what I mean? It's it's it's, and it's the simple things. We look at it like you you know when the movie starts, right? You know, she says, "I don't see what's wrong with this movie outside of it's an hour and a half long." You know what I mean? It's just for me. It's just funny because of the delivery, the persona. That's that's just. It's just Elvira through and through, and it to me like you. I'm I'm laughing through it. I mean, like I said, there's just. I love her uh, her makeup box. It's I break for no one. Yeah, (laughs) right there.
0: It's just it's great. Well, Elvira is a baby with all the makeup. Come on, that that was funny. That (laughs) was comical. Yeah, that was it was hilarious. Come on, Brad, that was funny. You know,
3: only movie that like. Comedy movie. I laugh continuously through the entire movie. Like, yeah, it's just continuous I'm dead actual inside. comedy.
2: Yeah, you know, she picks up the stranger and he's a freako, and she's like, yeah, whatever. And she takes off, and all of a sudden, she slams on the brakes. He's half naked. He starts, <laughs> yeah, he starts running, and she's like, ah, oh, you forgot your axe. She throws it at him and tomahawks him. She's like,
3: yeah, like eh. even the transition scenes are hilarious.
0: Yes, yes. Come on, Brad. We can't sell you. I'm,
2: I'm dead
1: inside. I'm dead inside.
0: Uh, Sorry. Well, I, I'm happy to hear this, Angel. So outside of the message, you do find this movie funny.
3: Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think everything she does, like even like watching the movie the Cobb when we made the little tents in our living room and with the tiny TV, the only part I enjoyed was Elvira talking about how bad it was. Like, I just couldn't wait for her to get on screen and talk. This entire movie is just filled with like those little parts of movie Cobb put together. I just enjoy it so much.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And again, it goes back to my comment: if if you love that aspect of Elvira, or you love that aspect of horror host with the you know the comedy that gets interspersed between the film, uh, to me, I think this is just the perfect film for you. Um, just, I, I, I think I wanted like more stuff
1: with the house. Like, I think I went into this thinking it was going to be more horror comedy, um, and there wasn't a whole lot of horror. And I was thinking, oh, like the house would be haunted, blah blah blah. They'll do this, they'll do that. And it never it kind of gets there like five percent of the way, but it never really is like a horror movie enough for me to really be like I I, I don't know. And again, maybe it's not a horror movie and never was supposed to be, but I, I feel like Elvira and horror are like synonymous with each other. So why why are we making a Elvira mystics of the dark and, and not having it be horror, I guess? Well, um, I think
2: so for me, I think it's kind of like you know, if you grew up on Avira and watched her, you know, during her as a horror host, you know, the movies that she was always presenting on her show and stuff, they they weren't really.
1: Well, they were like the horror, horror movies. movies,
2: yeah, yeah, you know, but they're but they it, weren't. I, I mean, and ironically enough, um, it, it's kind of like I think Troy mentioned it earlier: ten percent horror, ninety percent comedy. Um it, It's and the irony is I think back to Monster Squad. You know, I thought that was supposed to be a horror comedy, and that's kind of ninety percent comedy. 10%. Well, at least it has monsters in it. Yeah,
1: who oh, says monsters? trivia fact?
2: Trivia
1: monsters, fact.
0: The yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the and pot. that one guy, and old German guy is like a he survived the Holocaust. <laughs> There's nothing more horrific than Nazis. <laughs> so there you go, John. But well, I, no. I, I guess for me, I guess I guess bad on me for expecting a movie to be something that it's not like, that's totally on me. Like I shouldn't go into a movie thinking, Oh, is this going to be a horror movie? And it's not, and not liking it because it's not a horror movie. Um, I just, that was just my expectation because it's Elvira. Um, but there are elephant, <laughs> like it gets kind of close to it. Uh The warlock thing at the end, Uh was that a reference to Adam's family with the hand crawling around on the floor? Like, or am I just making that I, a, like, I'm sure I know, to me, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I, it was. Yeah. I
0: think to John's point, if you actually go back and watch any of the movie macabre, like films that she did, and here's the thing, I, I, I think if you watch horror host, having a horror host to a movie like Texas Ch- Chainsaw Massacre or nightmare on Elm street, it doesn't work. I, I would actually think it detracts from it to a certain degree. Now, Joe Bob Briggs might work because he's not bringing comedy as much as here's the behind the scenes and facts of the film information yeah. information, yeah. right? that Elvira, um, the better the film is that's on movie macabre, I think the harder it is for them to do the comedy. Whereas the worse uh, budget, you know, the worst kind of quality of film, it's easier for them to come out with the comedy bits. And and maybe Angel, this is why you don't like Count Gore Duvall, is, you know, he's showing movies that are really good. I mean, he's getting up there and he's like, oh, here's John Carpenter's The Thing and he's trying to be funny and you're like, well, I... You're, I just want to watch the thing. I want to watch yeah, the thing. I just
3: want to watch the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. Stop talking. <laughs>
1: this movie's way better than you are, bro. Why don't you calm yeah.
0: down? So yeah. I I think that is a problem. Um, but again, it goes back to that thing. If you go back and the brain that wouldn't die is is a great example. I think, Angel, you and I watched that uh the the Elvira edition not not too long ago, maybe over the summer. Mm-hmm. And that movie is terrible. Like that's an example of, I don't know if I could watch that film on its own, but I will watch yeah, it with rough. Elvira um, kind of yeah. jumping in and out of it. And I feel like that is a great example of what they created here where it's, here's a comedy film with her doing the bits and in between her bits are these horror elements and they're not necessarily scary, but they are horror elements. So it, it fits the uh, formula that is movie macabre and sort of the brand of Elvira.
2: Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, you know, even with uh, her aunt even with the ring and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. when it starts to get to that serious, oh, warlock witch fight, she's like, yeah, take this. And next, you know, you see the ring flying through the air and then just yeah. her expression. It's like, okay, she was getting serious, but it's funny now because she's like, oh, okay, bye. You know,
0: yeah, but it's yeah. A, it's those little I, I don't know. I, this uh, to me, if you were to pair this with another film, like if if I were running a drive-in, I would go, oh well, tonight we're going to show Aben Costello Meet Frankenstein, followed by Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Like that is to me the they're sw- in the same I thing. Sw-
1: I would switch those.
0: You would switch those, okay. Yeah. Either you way, the,
1: so the crowd stays for the second film. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Shut
1: up.
3: We like kick him off. I <laughs> think oh, oh. no, Costello
1: Frankenstein is the I mean <laughs> anyway. That was funny. Randy's gonna get all over me because he's always like, people bring like one of their favorite films on the podcast, and Brad just literally has none of it. So
0: yeah. And now that you're attacking Angel, Randy's you I think you cut off your beef jerky supply.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's gone. Man. I don't hate it. I don't hate this movie. I, I just think it's okay.
0: Hey, I'll take that. That's fine. No, I I think that's that's fine. That's good. Um, Can can I tell (laughs) – so there are some Brad moments. Can we talk about the Brad moments of this film? Sure. Yeah. What are Brad moments? Brad moments (laughs) are uh, doing this podcast – well, it's not even the podcast. As long as you and I have been friends, I get to these parts in film where I go, oh, that's a freaking (laughs) Brad moment. So there were two Brad moments in here where you're in my head, okay, the, the first part is at the beginning, the movie starts, uh, and you, and you get this (laughs) eighties fart, heavy metal (laughs) fart rock. Yeah. Fart rock going on. (laughs) Yeah. That goes right into a chicken fried steak song. I'm like, Oh, that was fart rock. That went into a chicken. So I'm like, Oh, that's a Brad moment. Like,
1: yeah, that
0: makes it. And then at the end, I'm like, Hey, uh, Brad is, is there such a thing as eighties fart rap?
1: Oh her rap oh my god dude her <laughs> rapping. Her rapping is not good.
3: Not it's
0: amazing. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> it's not on beats. It's like, oh no, it's so bad. I it think was, it, she can do a lot Blondie. of things. She can do a lot of things. I think she can rap. Rapping is oh she guys, you were mm,
0: Do you know mm. she Michael Jackson wanted her to do the thriller thing? Yep. And it was uh I think Her producer's friend's best friend's wife or whatever was married to Vincent Price, and that's how they got Vincent Price. But it's supposed to be Elvira, really? Yeah, that was in the memoir. Don't you remember that section?
1: Maybe, yeah. I just, I might have. I I just think it's not as menacing if Vincent Price doesn't do it. If it's Elvira, it's more comedy. Vincent Price had some gravitas behind it.
0: Okay, but you you don't think Elvira could, you know, she's seventy. You don't think she should get into rap at this point if she's transitioning no, to the next part of her career? No, no,
1: no, she shouldn't have got it into rap in 1988.
0: <laughs> oh, God! We are going to have to. It's ag- bad. It's bad. Agree it's bad. to disagree, uh, nope. sir. Calm down, Angel. Calm down. He he doesn't really mean it. Hold on. Oh, he means it, Angel.
3: <laughs>
0: next time Brad visits, he came
3: out with rap. I would buy her albums.
0: So. Well, that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hope you enjoy. It. I'm glad that you
1: would enjoy it. I, I'm happy when people enjoy things. Um, me buy you
3: an album?
0: Yeah, none for me. Thank you. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Angel, what else do you want to talk about? Is there anything else that like your favorite moment of the film, or um, like what's your best pitch of why people should see this movie? Oh,
3: um, honestly, that I feel like based off like what Brad's saying, like I don't know if people the general public would enjoy it as much if they don't have like the background of her.
0: Oh, you don't think so. You you don't think a new person can come into this and just appreciate it in today's environment.
3: I think they would like, but personally, I think a lot of like girls would probably enjoy it because they get to see a representation of a woman like defending herself and like, uh, kind of the feminist movement of it. But like, also, just having the nostalgia. Like, I think it's one of those movies, like, listening to Brad and what he has to say. I can admit it probably is one of those movies that's more of a nostalgia thing for me and of River being a huge part of my childhood. Like, I guess not everyone's going to love a boob joke every five seconds.
1: <laughs> I mean, don't get me
0: wrong. I like a good boob joke. He lies. But I'm just right. I point. Just, he lies. I just want you. I think my daughter said no, I I can't she believe. enjoys a, a more boob jokes than you do, is what I heard. So, <laughs> I think one
3: of the funny things was that we were at dinner the other night, and we we're talking about Elvira and recording this week. And I was like, yeah, I think Elvira was my first crush. And dad's looking at me like she was my first crush.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was awkward. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's how dysfunctional our family is.
1: <laughs> yeah. you're either doing something really right or really wrong. I can't remember, figure out which side of it is.
0: Oh boy. Well, I do, do. you agree with what Angel's saying, John? That I mean, without the nostalgia or maybe the reference to the horror host genre, this is hard to appreciate from a film. Like, if you were to come into this thing cold, would you find it funny?
2: I think that there is definitely an aspect of nostalgia that that is there that would. Uh, prevent a lot of folks from truly enjoying it at the same time. And I, I, I'm not trying to offend people when I say this, but um, if you've never seen it and you tried to watch it today, you, you, you got to stop applying today's standards while you're watching it and just enjoy it for what it's trying to do and what it's trying to enjoy. I mean, good example. I got to go see a pre-screening of Dune. I already had a blistering review prepared without even having seen it, right? I already had my preset notions, but we got there and, you know, wife says, please, just, I know what you're expecting. Just open mind and start watching it. And I did. <clears throat> the irony was, right after the 30-second mark at the start of the movie, my wife's like, I already hate this. <laughs> 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 you know, but I ended up watching it. I'm not giving any spoilers outside of, uh, I'm giving it a B+, plus, Dune. But to the point of it's, it's, I understand there's just certain things you should not be, you know, trying to betray or trying to um, discuss or say or joke about. But again, those were times that we grew up, and you know, hey, you know, sometimes ignorance is for me. Ignorance was bliss, and I appreciate you know the humor that it brought along, the elements of storytelling that it tried to bring along, and I think for folks today, yes, if. They don't really understand the horror host genre, or you know that sub uh, you subculture you talked about. Um, I think they would have a lot of trouble watching this because, I mean, let's face facts: they're they're looking at it from one angle, which is you know, oh, it's just a you know another woman being all sexed up and stuff, and this, this movie's terrible. No, take away from it, right? She's yeah, she's sexy, she's gorgeous, and she knows this. But she's also not taking shit off nobody. That's what you guys got to take away from this stuff, you know. So yeah, it's a it's a mix for me of of trying to understand it. Um, but you know, as you brought out, um, Troy, for me, it's it's about what do we go to movies for—to be entertained, either to be scared, or you know, inspired, or laugh our asses off. And this movie is just one of those movies. I yeah, it's funny. I laugh my ass off. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I. Let's just what it is. I'll say this: I, I don't know, and maybe this is the difference. Maybe my enjoyment of it is because of my love for the horror host genre and specifically Elvira. But I love this film. There, I one hundred percent agree. A lot of nostalgia plays into this because of nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight for me is like one of the best years ever of film. Uh, and and to me, when I I saw this in the theater and I absolutely fell in love with it, but I'd always liked you know, horror host, cremation, mortem, all of that. Right. But I'll, I think even today, this film plays well. I think it was way ahead of its time for 1988 in terms of what it was doing. I could totally see Brad's point of view of coming into this as a guy and going, well, my entry, my, my entry point to horror is the nineties or this type of horror film, et cetera. And if you weren't exposed to horror comedy or the cheesy side of horror et cetera if you're if you're only concerned with the dramatic thrilling aspect of horror and you don't have an appreciation for the horror comedy, this may not uh, I, I, this may not resonate with you but I will say I think it would resonate with um, all young female viewers because yeah. I think for this movie and, and young, males as well hey, young males I, I will say this but i i think every time i watch this and again i angel could speak to this way more better than the three of us but I, I feel like that message is is firmly planted in there about her having control and her sort of driving the narrative and her going against sort of the male chauvinistic archetypes that are presented in the film and to me, it's kind of like, wow, I, I think this was a pretty big and important film. And even when Cassandra Peterson says, yeah, I run across all these fans, you go, well, this movie, you know, just changed my life and it meant so much to me. I totally buy into that because if you're at the right age and you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling with being a female and being, you know, over sexualized and everything else, I could see where this film really talks to you. So again, I think Angel would probably be, you know, the expert at that view but I I think this from just coming from a, a guy who grew up with it and loved it, but now, you know, critiques it in in some fashion, looks at it and says, "Hey, dude, this is this is not just some dumb comedy. It's got a really good message in there too."
3: Yeah, I think this film has like such a huge message. Like even watching it this past year, noticing how much like bigger that message was than because like you, I always saw hints of it and stuff like that, but. Like the entire film is just filled with her standing up for herself. And like she's the hero of her own story. Like her boy, f- boy, toy, bimbo, blonde boyfriend <laughs> doesn't really do much. Like he doesn't swoop in and save her. She saves herself. And like growing up with Elvira as like one of my role models and crush, she was a great person to look up to and like be my, like be who I want to be and not have to conform to anything. I think that's great for a lot of young women
0: out there. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said, yeah. I, I, I get this from the comedy aspect, but I, when Angel talks about this film and from that perspective, I 100% see that. Um, and I know I'm a little biased just you know because of the relation and stuff, but I, I, I do think this was just, um, again, it goes back to my theory that 1988 is one of the greatest movie f- years ever because it produced content like this. And I think this content was way ahead of its time.
1: No, I, I mean I get it. Like, just because I don't get this film because of my <clears throat> kind of lack of knowledge on Elvira and the lack of nostalgia, I, I still see it's like a perfectly fine m- movie, and it's. I think one of the greatest things about it is Cassandra Peterson as Elvira. Like, that character is is pretty like fascinating and well rounded, and 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 not a one trick pony. Can't rap but can do right. a lot of other
0: things. Um, Don't throw shade out but, there, man. Just stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she can rap. I,
1: you know, it's just it's just not for me. Um, but I still kind of enjoyed my time. Like, again, 90 minutes, it's – I'm not going to say it's inoffensive because there's some, some stuff that's pretty offensive in here. Like, not offensive, but uh, the indie window is, is a lot, which I'm okay with. But uh, I'm thinking about, like, my daughter who's two, I'm like – when is she gonna watch this movie like when she's a hundred maybe I don't know <laughs> but uh anyway i I uh
0: yeah, it's
1: again, it's adequately fine
0: okay that we'll take it, it yeah. if that's
1: what we can get out of you I'm kind of curious what did you what what did you think I was gonna think because you usually know me pretty well
0: I thought uh, uh you would pretty much go it's it's not for you. So knowing knowing where your entry point is, because even when we talk about horror films, and you know, I we go through like your top ten versus my top ten, and and my appreciation probably for horror comedy is a little bit deeper than yours. So mine
1: usually starts and stops at Ghostbusters, yeah, and Tucker and Dale. But yeah, Tucker and Dale, Ghostbusters, pretty much it.
0: Yeah, and and this one is this one's a different and unique kind of horror comedy where it's not relying on the gore like tucker and dale's a a freaking Mm -hmm. top five movie for me but it has a different uh sense of humor than what this one has and i don't know it's it's one of those where i i do think to get the most out of it you got to have a little bit of knowledge and a little bit exposure to her in movie macabre um, or if not her, to to whore host in sort of the schlocky part of that gimmick, Count Gord of all, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I I just assumed you would kind of walk in there and go, yeah, there's some things I laughed at, but it just didn't do it for me. Uh, I thought you would actually be a little bit more negative onto it. So I'm 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 kind of excited that you're like, yeah, it was perfectly acceptable 90 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think He's yeah,
3: trying to keep the jerky.
0: <laughs> he's trying to yeah, keep Yeah, I'm trying the to – yeah, yeah, I
1: am, I am, I am.
2: I mean, the positive aspect is he's definitely saying this movie was, you know, while he wouldn't put it on his rewatch list, it's definitely better than um, Snake Eyes. So, I'm good with
0: that. Dude, don't go there. Do not (laughs) go there. Do not tread on my G.I. Joe. Come on, man.
1: I don't know. I kind of like Snake Eyes. I'm with (laughs) Troy on Snake Eyes. Okay, there you
0: go.
3: And I
1: think Doom is, I think the new Dune is a masterpiece. So, you know. Oh yeah, we need to chat about that
2: because um, yeah, that yeah, different topic, different time. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it, it's like like what Troy was saying. You know, comedy, horror comedies, like have like Brad. Have you ever seen Transylvania Six Five Thousand? It's been a long time, but yes, a long time. I mean, a, love that movie. Love the humor in there because it's it's great. Love the humor in Elvira, uh, Monster Squad. Uh, again, going back to that because again, there was a lot of you know risque moments, which. If you think about that time period and the age of the kids, you're like, well, yeah, they probably shouldn't do that anymore. But uh, oh, interesting tidbit uh, the town that Elvira was shot in, that's the same set they used for Monster Squad. Oh, okay. that's I, cool. You know what? Like the little, the end scene with the. Right? With,
1: yeah, I think. Okay, I could. If you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes sense now. Me that it's the same place. Yeah. 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 Okay. But it's like that type of horror. And, and again, I, I think. That's when you find out the sister's not really a virgin and yeah, yeah. And then that yeah. little girl read the book. We watched Monster Squad like maybe three <laughs> weeks
2: ago. <laughs> that movie's awesome. Love that movie. Is it it's okay? You know, it's, excuse me, is she a weird <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You know. Um, but it, it to me it's it, I kind of hate that stuff that we grew up on. There's there is kind of like a generational gap that I, I would say kind of doesn't put that little tough skin on some folks, like I grew up listening to, say, folks like uh, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, you know, those type of comedians and stuff. And then hearing I haven't watched it, but hearing, you know, everything going on with Dave Chappelle and I, and there's a meme going around like, well, you know, if you didn't like Dave Chappelle, we have some other wholesome family entertainment for you. And it's a picture of Richard Pryor and Red Fox. I'm like, yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys really don't know what you're talking about in terms of what's really bad. Um, and a virus is just one of those things that I think, you know, if you didn't grow up in that kind of gap, it could be very difficult for some. But, you know, for Angel, I see it a lot more now. And it makes a lot more sense that Angel, you know, why she loves this movie. Um, and I only say it because Angel's got a quick wit for folks that really don't know her. She has a super quick wit and I love her for it. Um, I hate it when I ask the questions and she just immediately snaps back your mom, you know, I, Oh God, that's, I hate that. That's, God, I <laughs> you know what I that. mean? But that's, 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 to me, that's Elvira in her. You know what I mean? It's like, she hears something Whack, quick, wit. she's going to snap back at you. And, and to me, that's, that's awesome. And again, uh, for my daughter, she actually watched a little bit of it and she wasn't picking up on the the, the sexualizing part. She was picking up on the, did he, did she just really kick that guy? I'm like, yeah, you see what he did? Yeah. Good for her. And then she turns around and walks away. I'm like, okay, there we go. That's what she picked up on. You know? So
0: it is, I I mean, humor, we can get in a whole different topic and stuff like that about, you know, what's controversial today versus yesterday. I, I I'm not smart enough to go through the socio political humor diagram and um, kind of draw something. I think it just kind of comes down to a little bit what you said. It, films today, it's it's hard to look at a film from any time period and then try and say, okay, when this came out, what was going on? And, and can you take your brain and put it in that time period and appreciate for what it is? At the end of the day, you're carrying around your own baggage. So right. you're either carrying around nostalgia, you're carrying around what you ate for dinner, you know what happened at work, and that's going to affect your viewing experience. So um I totally get why somebody would look at something and go, "Wow, that's kind of offensive to me." I, I totally understand all of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time it you know, with some of the content and you know, re- talking about movies and doing a movie podcast could be a line, uh, just a full of these landmines sometimes yeah. because it you know, putting a hot dog on a boob and going, "Well, that's that's funny." Well, maybe not in 2021, 1988 it was kind of funny.
1: <laughs> Dude, she eats a hot dog in a, in a taco shell.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> you get that kind of stuff and you go, yeah, that's kind of so, racy for okay, PG-13. Let's, let's break so, this
1: down for just a second. Yeah, There's a hot dog. A taco shell is pretty wide. So what was she trying to say?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Look, I was just trying to watch a Chow Yun-Fat movie. I don't know anything about that stuff. I wasn't talking about your wife, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but did you pick up later on in the movie? Dude, it was in the, the movie. During the, the one of- The headed yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I was
2: coming up. Patty, yeah, yeah. Don't want to, during a, during one of Brad's favorite don't seams, give me the a, buffet. Don't give
1: me, don't give me a trouble with Tabs. Like, come on, dude.
2: <laughs> it's a running theme, yeah. All right. And yeah. we must say, I, I, I think we could all appreciate her 1958 Thunderbird.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. Man, that is a great looking car.
2: That car is phenomenal.
0: I love it. All, All right.
3: My life is to get that car.
0: Well, good luck. Start saving, bud. <laughs> you got to get that college debt paid off first.
3: Can't be a Christmas
0: present. No, it can't be a Christmas. No, we're not made of money, man. I don't know what your mom told you. It's not. I'm not made of money. It's not promotion so, for. Come on. No. So, Angel, you heard
2: him. So, father number one said, no, I will work on getting you a 1958. Thunderbird, you
0: go right on ahead, Father Number, yeah, two. number two. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Number Two, no, go. I will.
2: They they make them like in matchbox
0: sizes, so she <laughs> didn't say a real one. So I'm gonna get her a Thunderbird. There you go, Dad Number Two, pulling the jokes. Um, well, let's let's just start with the question then, Angel. We we just got done having a very lively discussion over 1988 Elvira Mistress of the Dark. I think I know where you're going to land on this, but is is Elvira Mistress of the Dark a bomb? Uh,
3: it's a tough choice, but. Um, I think I'm going to have to say it's not a bomb. It is one of my favorite films and forever will be.
0: Okay. I like that answer. John, over to you. We've got one vote that it's not a bomb. Where are you going to land on this one?
2: I I, got to go with one of the wisest people I know, daughter number one, or for me, daughter number two. Yeah. Um, not a bomb.
3: Tell Remley.
2: <laughs> please do. <laughs> Oops. She swung at a ball she shouldn't have swung on. So, yeah, please tell her.
0: Oh, anyway, come on. No, come on, John. We all get fooled every once in a while. we all she had like five RBIs the other night? I mean, she was killing it, uh, yeah. man.
2: Yeah, she was. But no, it's definitely not a bomb. Uh, I find this m- movie funny to this day. Elvira, she's a cultural icon that I was lucky enough to be introduced to as a young kid. And she's still around, still killing it. Um, even as I'm starting to get to 50. And I hope to God I age just as great as she has at 70. She is amazing. She's an amazing woman.
0: Agree. All right, Brad. I know you're kind of iffy on this one. You, when, when you talk about something being okay, I don't know where you're going to land on the final vote. So surprise us, man. Where, is, is Elvira Mistress of the Dark, is it a bomb or is it not a bomb?
1: So I, my my line in the sand is, would I watch this again? And if I wouldn't, I would say, yes, it's a bomb. And if I say, yeah, I'd watch it again. It it won't be anytime soon, but yeah, I'd watch it again. I think I'd watch this again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, it'll be a while. (laughs) And it it, it might be with your family at some point in time or something (laughs) like that. But I would watch this again. So sure, since Angel joined us from college, I'll say it's not a bomb. There and I want to keep getting beef jerky in the mail. So, <laughs>
0: hey, I, I have a question for you, Brad. So, I, I noticed this uh, listening to the m- memoir and going through that book. I had a like more appreciation for this film because, um, you know, the tassel thing that happens at the end or the Elvis t shirt she's wearing, there's all these little bits of information that show up in that biography that end up in this film and I don't know it, it gave it some more weight or it was kind of yeah. cool a point. So did you yeah. did you pick up on that stuff? Like did Yeah,
1: like the showgirl stuff and the Elvis stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it, it's weird. Like this movie's a little bit like like autobiographical in a way. Like you're kind it of it is yeah. Just it's kinda of weird. But yeah I've you know she helped write this movie so she's gonna pull from stuff that you know she knows. So I get it. But yeah it is kind of interesting that she puts some of that stuff in this film. And if I hadn't have read the, the memoirs, I would have never have known. Um, but it is cool to kind of pick up on that stuff. And you're like, Oh, I've kind of Cassandra Peterson expert. Now I know what that's in reference to.
0: So yeah. I kind of felt that way <laughs> yeah, too.
1: I, I guess, I guess that makes me like the movie a little bit more. So like, if you don't have, so I guess I do kind of have some sort of knowledge because I listened to her damn memoirs. So I guess I can't say I have no sort of, knowledge of her i listened to her talk to me for however long it was a long time yeah how long is that memoir i mean it's long
0: yeah i thought it was it was almost like 30 some hours. 30
1: yeah it was like over 30 hours it was, i know it's yeah.
0: 34 35 chapters it was fantastic for me mm-hmm. it, it just flew by i, I couldn't wait to, to listen to it well i so we'll just make it uh you know a foursome there i 100 percent believe this movie is not a bomb I have a lot of appreciation for it just from a comedy level, from a filmmaking level, um, from its messaging. I think, I think actually it's a super important film for you know, the right audience. And uh, man, I, I can't say this enough. Just w- watching this, listening to Cassandra Peterson through that biography, I have so much appreciation for her as a person, not just as an actress or a businesswoman Um, but man, I, I mean, there was a point where when you find out about all the things that she went through as a kid and how relatable she is, and even me thinking about my past and, and going, oh, wow, I I've been there too, or I've experienced that. Um, she is just inspirational, I think. And I really enjoyed going through that memoir. And I, I love the fact that, you have that content as something serious to kind of listen to all of the things that she did within her 70 years, and she's still going, right? So she could probably put you know a part two out there in another 70 years, and it'll be just as interesting. But I love the fact that you've got this little time capsule of this iconic character that she built, like you said, John, and you can go back and uh, you know enjoy it. And what makes this film even that much more impactful is if you know anything about her history or her memoir, you're watching how close that Elvira character is to her as a person. So, you know, she took everything that she wanted to be and all of that confidence and put it in this character. And I I find not just Cassandra inspiring, but I find that Elvira character inspiring too. So I I adore this film 100%. That was a good discussion. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Brad, what's... uh, we're gonna try and squeeze like one more Halloween movie in, right? Is that yeah, we might like we might cheating? cheat a little bit. Yeah, we're cheating, we might
1: cheat a little bit, but um, yeah, for next week, we are talking about nineteen was eighty three. I think it came out in eighty three. Another eighties, yeah, uh, early eighties. Yeah, uh, eighty three, the year I was born. Uh, we were talking about Halloween three, season of the witch. Yeah, eight more days to Halloween. <laughs> uh, oh. I think they've seen that song like 15 times in that movie. Yeah, it's insane. One um, too many times. <laughs> you know, the whole plot is weird. They're like, hey, we're <laughs> going to wear this mask. You got to wear, watch this thing. What time zone are we in? Whatever. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Um, we have a guest coming on. Um, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. Everyone's talking about Halloween Kills right now, so we're going to talk about Halloween 3.
0: Yeah, because we're odd. We don't like to do yeah. what everybody else is doing. We'll talk about Halloween yeah. film. We're talking about the one without Michael Myers.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Ross, yep. Halloween Kills was awesome, and when you watch Season of the Witch, draw some of the parallels of um, what's going on today. <sighs> Haven't kind seen it yet.
0: Haven't seen it yet. I know you have s-
2: oh Oh, oh.
1: Are you talking about Halloween Kills? Halloween kills. I Halloween
0: kills. I'm going to try and see it this week. We were trying this weekend. Comic Con just took out our entire Sunday, so didn't didn't uh, didn't squeeze that in. Although, man, can I digress for a second? The yeah. artwork at Baltimore oh Comic Con this year was second to none. I know I have posted uh, some of the stuff that I've gotten, and uh, I can't talk about this artist enough. So if you follow us on social media, you will see um, prints that both John and I actually picked up from uh, Just Scope, J-U-S-S-C-O-P-E, and you can go to justscope.com. But this artist is, I'll, I'll
1: link it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, is absolutely phenomenal. We were walking around this big convention, and when I came across this booth and saw this big trouble in little China print. I stopped dead in my tracks. And then I started going through stuff and I'm like, oh, you've got China. <laughs> Cause your
1: walls st- need more big trouble, little China. Stuff.
0: I know. <laughs> and I ended up buying so much stuff from this guy and we talked for I, angel was like, can we go? I'm like, no, this guy's cool. I want to talk to him.
3: <laughs> yeah, we were I, staying off to the side forever.
0: <laughs> yes. They were getting annoyed. And then after doing that, I ran searching for John who was at another end of the convention and then grabbed him over and his family And then John started talking to him and buying all this stuff. So then I have got two angry families behind me as John and I. (laughs) And then I went and bought more stuff from the guy because he had a Gordon Liu um, print. And uh, I'm just telling you, folks, go to his website. It is fantastic. You can order directly from him. He he does kind of tour around at a bunch of uh, comic uh, festivals. He is an animator, and he's working on a project right now. So you can see all that stuff on his website. But I'm going to post some other stuff. Um, that I ended up picking up because the, the artists that showed up this year were fantastic. And I, I ended up spending way too much money just on artwork. But um, yeah, I just out of the gate, I want to talk about Just Scope because it's probably the best stuff I've bought at any convention. Hands down, it's it's just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah.
2: Troy dragged me over there. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, how the hell did I miss this booth? Because this is, I, take my money. Yeah. is pretty much what it was. And Troy and I, we got you a little gift, Brad. It'll be on its way soon. Oh, okay, cool. Because
0: we love you.
1: I know. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Even though I hate all your movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, it. Brad, if somebody, I need a
1: little, I need a little joy in my life.
0: <laughs> I, I know you'll like you'll like what John got. Yeah. John snagged it for you. So, Brad, where do people send us other recommendations of bombs that we should be talking about and kind of follow? you know, angel's yeah. path of bugging yeah, us we'll get, relentlessly.
1: We'll get to it in like 60 episodes. Uh, no, we'll get to it earlier than that. Hopefully uh, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. You can also get uh, to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also go to not podcast.com and hit the contact us button and you can write us a little thing there.
0: Yeah. And don't forget to listen to, I guess our extra special episodes, not a bomb watches. We're um, yeah, we're almost, we're going to be on episode
1: nine, so we're like seventeen and eighteen, I think. We're getting into the yeah. home
0: stretch of that uh, Cowboy Bebop series, right?
1: Yeah, we've got that, and then the movie. We're, don't forget, there's a movie.
0: Oh yeah, maybe we'll talk about the live action series too, because that's
1: yeah, we'll probably roll right into the live action stuff. That's so, less uh, than
0: a month away. I'm kind of excited.
1: Yeah, now you now you kind of have context for stuff, and I hope they do something different. I hope it's different.
0: I know. I, I've I, already hey.
1: seen the the anime. Let's the uh,
0: Tabitha, I showed her the trailer, the the Lost Session trailer. Mm-hmm. She said that was the best trailer of anything she'd ever seen. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, she was blown away by it. So I'm I'm excited.
1: Old statement. Um, yeah. I don't know what the best. Tra- I don't. Ooh. I don't know what Dang, the best I mean, trailer
0: is. I didn't think yeah. about that.
1: You know what was a really good trailer? That Episode One had a really good trailer.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: that duel of fates just
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. good. Before yep. you knew what the movie was was really like.
1: Movie's fine. Yeah, but movie's fine. The trailer. Awesome. Um yeah. So next week, Season of the Witch, Halloween three, which the guy's a warlock. He's not it's a guy. He's a Season of the Warlock. But I got there was no song about Season of the Warlock, so <laughs> it will be Season of the Witch. I don't know. That movie's a mess. But you know, we're gonna talk about it.
0: Okay. John I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule um I I love talking movies with you and I love every time you get come on the show thank you for doing the extra homework and sort of walking us through the uh, evolution of the horror host we cannot wait to have you back um we're going to show you a list of films and and we're going to make sure we get you on here very very soon
2: I pre- the honor is all mine I appreciate being on here being invited invited back on um Love being here, and uh, especially honored tonight to be joined with uh, second daughter Angel, uh, <laughs> talking about another awesome movie. So you know, thank you guys. Thank you. Did did we Anytime, do? time, buddy.
0: Yeah. Did we do your movie justice, Angel?
3: Uh, well, yeah. So, I think. Some of us did It was very interesting. Like just at the beginning, talking about like all the background of it in the horror host, Like I knew a little bit because even just messaging with dad about it i was like is there anything i need to know about history he was like oh no we got it covered and just so it was like a learning experience like taking a class doing this podcast
0: professor john yeah professor john i like it dad number two well um (laughs) (laughs) hey this is a big occasion for us because you're in college you're in your dorm we're we're recording with college students um brad john is there any college advice that you would give angel (laughs) to kind of help her through her freshman year is there any guidance
1: so I took. <laughs> okay, we go. Brad. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trusting
0: you. So Brad.
1: <laughs> I, I took a class, uh, and uh, I didn't go the entire semester, uh, and I missed the final. And it was like this weird, like, film class, and the guy said, "Hey, uh, just show me something film wise that you have done." And uh, I had helped my buddy kind of edit together some um, like 80s movies like montage stuff together. And so I, I gave him the cassette tape, the videotape of it. and I got an A in a class. So there. I didn't go to class a single time and I got an A in a class. So Angel, if I can do it, anyone can graduate from college. So you got this. You're <laughs> yeah. way smarter than me. So my dumbass, ass congratulated from college. You got this.
0: Yeah, I didn't know where that story was going, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. right so I made a porno.
2: So I'm sweating
0: bullets here. I'm like, oh, Lord, what's he going to tell? Her? <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. like he has to make a film in college. I was a big yep. concern. Yep.
0: Yeah, I was like, I don't want to know <laughs> so about the movies these, you made. So there's these two
1: girls and then like
0: one. Nope, nope, um, no, um, no, Anyway, no,
1: sorry. Uh Yeah, I was, I was in a fraternity in college, and that was a bad idea. So anyway. But no, you got this. You right. do it.
0: Okay, I like that, John. You got words of wisdom? I know you always have words of wisdom. I didn't know if you wanted to share bits of your information. Yes. Um, don't eat the cafe sushi. Mm. Never. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah.
2: And honestly, the best advice is if you're finding yourself crammed for time, prioritize what's the least important thing to do. But don't play cram. video games. Exactly. <laughs> exactly
1: Ultimately. because if it, my motto was if i don't know it by now i'm never gonna know that's, that's <laughs> pretty much
2: yeah <laughs> i mean like like i was saying i actually had the same experience i didn't turn in my final paper and like three weeks later the professor saw me on the quad and he was like hey i'm still waiting on your paper so i whipped up a machiavelli paper turned it in got an a plus i'm like well why can't i do this all the time did you fake like, your own death no, I just told him I just didn't feel like coming to class. He's like, "Well, I still want that paper, so I turned it in three weeks late, past the due, got an A plus still." So, but no, seriously, do not stress over the little things. It's the big things that, even those, um, don't deserve to stress you out. Take things in stride. You got this, girl. Thank
0: you. I have no advice for you. You, the uh, the student, has become the master. You do <laughs> you. I'm probably going to start coming to you for advice because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But uh, I think, I think you got this um, whole life thing uh, under control. So um, I'm just going to do what you do. That, that's my advice. You do you, and then I'm going to copy you, and then hopefully I can be as successful as you, and, and we'll be good, right? Definitely. Awesome. Well, hey, folks, I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening to our thoughts on Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Next week, join us for, I don't know, a cheat day. We're going to squeeze in another Halloween spooktober film. We're going to talk about Halloween 3. But I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. I hope you are having an awesome day, and we'll catch you next week. Don't lose your head. Unpleasant dreams.